0: Sit back and relax. It is time to listen to the old time radio daytime shows. We hope you enjoy the program.
1: Buckle up for
2: safety, buckle up, buckle up for safety, always buckle up. Pull your seat belts, give an extra tuck. buckle up for safety, buckle up, buckle up for safety, buckle up.
3: For safety, always
2: buckle up. The National Safety
4: Council says, if you don't have seatbelts, get them. If you do have seatbelts, use them.
2: Standard of California, on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West, invites you to let George do it. The hearse was painted pink. Another adventure of George Valentine. Personal notice dangers my stock and trade. If you're up a blind alley and nobody can help you, give yourself another chance and call on me, George Valentine. Write full details. Dear Mr. Valentine, how much do you charge for making a play for a beautiful dame? There's more to it than that. I may add the lady is dynamite. I may also add that the money is going to be okay. Also this. If everything works out... You'll be helping a lot of people out of that blind alley you mentioned in your ad. If you happen to be interested, let's talk. Happen to be interested, let's talk it over. I'm in room 918, Hotel Somerset. The name is yours truly, J.C. Collins. (laughs) Oh, Brooksy's never going to forgive herself for being late this morning.
5: Me, Angel? What goes with you this morning? Oh, it's you, George. Oh, shucks, you guessed. Mm, I guess I overslept. But we were out so late last
2: night on
6: the
2: McMillan job. Well, just stay right where you are, Angel. I just wanted you to know where I was going to be. Where's that, George? Oh, just having a chat with one J.C. Collins at the Hotel Somerset. Yeah, it seems we have a very distasteful assignment, Brooksy. I have to go out and make love to a beautiful dame, it says here. George, I'm on my way down to the office right What's now. What's more, it says here she's dynamo. I'm getting... Hold it, Brooksy. Take it easy. Let me see what this is all about, and I'll talk to you later. Did you hear that, Raymond? This guy thinks is actual J.C. Collins. That was the general impression we tried to create in that letter, Ernie. Sit down, sit, Valentine. Hey, now, look, I'm not a country cousin who just got in yesterday. I don't work for guys like you, Gorman. That's what you think. As far as anyone's concerned, you'll just be working for J.C. Collins. Oh, be smart. As far as I'm concerned, I'd be working for a grade-A rat. And, Raymond, that's never smart. Don't get up, Valentine. You're not going nowhere. I know I can take your word for that, Gorman so, I'll just listen. Yeah, well, I'll give it to you straight. There's another guy in this town. I mean, the town's not big enough for both of us, and consequently... uh, uh, Well? Waits. I got no use for Waits. Tell him what I mean, Raymond. Well, it's really very simple. As you know, Mr. Gorman owns a lot of property, including this hotel. He also has a great many business interests. (laughs) Yeah, don't I? Yeah, I know. Some narrow-minded people call them rackets. Let's not be irrelevant. Anyway, it seems another businessman, Frank Granby by name, aspires to supplant Mr. Gorman in his various enterprises. Granby? I thought he was mistaken for a clay pigeon the other night. Oh, that was no mistake. But it was embarrassingly bad marksmanship. Frank was wounded, but he got away. and Now he's hiding somewhere, and he must be smoked out. Yeah, and fish. Look, fellas, I know confession is good for the soul, but why pick on me? How did you know I won't leave here and reiterate some of these little intimacies? What? What do you say, Mimi? Well, not to oversimplify, Mr. Valentine doesn't want to play ball. Tell him what I mean. What Ernie means is you can help us smoke out Granby. Ernie's very basic in his thinking about these things, but uh, I believe he's got something. Uh, Not to be precocious, I gather this has something to do with the beautiful dame who's also dynamite. Lila Parker. Sings at the Glass Hat. Yeah, Granby is nuts about her. If he thought she was playing around, he'd, he'd, well, he'd. Go on and tell him what I mean, Raymond. All the luxuries of life. Someone to translate your English for you. What? Uh, he's just being sarcastic, Ernie. But you're right about the dame, Valentine. Personally, I'd envy you this job if I didn't know Granby cares more for her than he does for his own life. You're going to make a play for her, Valentine. More than that, she's going to... Uh, she, uh, Raymond... More than that, you've got to make her like it. Sorry, boys, no deal. You've got no choice. Raymond, call that number. Righto, honey. Maybe Valentine will get what we're driving at. Here, Valentine, you take this.
6: One. Huh? Hello? Brooksy. Well, who else will you call this
2: number? Where are you, darling? Hey, what's this about? Uh, skip it, Angel. I'll talk to you later. You get what I mean? George, where are you? Uh, I, uh, Careful what you say. Uh, just wanted to tell you not to worry if I'm away a couple of days on this job. I know I can leave everything to you, Brooksy. Well, of course That's you can. That's all I can tell you right now, Angel. So long. All right, Raymond, you're not so good at translating. Just what does, Gorman? Ernie, make him let me go. Hey, well, you got no choice. Let go of him, Valentine. Uh, You see, Valentine, Miss Brooks is our insurance that you do just like, uh, like I say. Now, go on, Raymond, tell him. Brooks, you've heard of hardened criminals, haven't you?
6: Yes, Lieutenant Riley, but what does this have to do with George? Well, I'm a hardened
2: cop. I only deal in facts.
6: Well, I've been giving you facts.
2: I know, I know. You didn't like the way Valentine sounded on the phone.
6: He called the office and seemed so surprised when I answered the phone. What, so
2: what? Sometimes I forget what number I'm calling. Well,
6: he sounded so strange when he said that was all he could tell me. And then he hung up. Oh,
2: look. Are you sure it isn't this business about a beautiful dame that's getting you so excited?
6: Oh, don't be ridiculous. I know, George. So does
2: Mrs. Riley know me, but even she has her doubts sometimes. Can't
6: you see I'm serious? I even went to the hotel. There was no J.C. Collins ever registered at the Somerset. Who sent George that letter? Now, look, Miss Brooks, I keep
2: fighting back the impulse, but I like that guy of yours. Me too. Well, still, I'm a public servant, and I can't go flouncing around after him every time he gets himself into trouble.
6: Well, I'm going to do some flouncing around, Lieutenant.
2: That I know, and I can expect the worst.
6: Well, Lieutenant, if that's all you have to say, Uh, I... Just a minute, just
2: a minute. Yes. If Valentine is really in some kind of trouble... I'll leave word here where you can reach me day or night.
5: Mr. Valentine?
7: Yeah. Gus, the piano player, told me you wanted to see me. That's
2: right, Miss Parker. Won't you sit down?
7: Gus said you were one of my greatest admirers. My singing, no doubt.
2: Singing? Well, that never occurred to me. (laughs)
7: That's a new approach. I think I will sit down. (sighs) Well, Mr. Valentine, it isn't my singing. Just what is it about me that you admire so much? Well, don't you know? Yeah. I've known since I was 14.
2: And you're one of the few women who'll be hearing that when you're 40.
7: Is that supposed to be so good?
2: (laughs) May I order you something?
7: I'm happy the way I am. What do you want?
2: Oh, I'm just a lonely guy feeling sorry for myself in a strange town.
7: Same line, but I can't say I've heard it read any better.
2: What are you doing after your last show?
7: Going home and rinse out a few things. I'll be waiting for
2: you in the parking lot when you're through.
7: You can grow an awful long beard waiting for somebody who isn't going to show up.
2: Often wondered how I'd look with a beard.
7: Listen, mister, and listen carefully.
2: Hmm?
7: Why don't you be good to yourself and go home? And
2: hate myself for the rest of my days?
7: All right, I know I look like something in a pastry window I shop thought to you. that way,
2: that's very good.
7: Believe me, I'm poison. And it won't do a thing for my ego if you hang around and prove I'm right. Now stay away from me.
2: See you later, Lena. You'll recognize me by my beard. I'm afraid you picked yourself the wrong boy, gentlemen. The fair Lila seems particularly allergic to me. What? What do you say, Raymond? Uh, they don't get along together, honey. Uh, don't give me that, Valentine. You're a pretty good-looking guy, and Lila, she isn't used to being lonely. Just keep trying, Valentine. The sooner Frank Granby finds out you have designs on Lila, the sooner this unpleasant little job will be over. Well, uh, I, I do have a sort of one-sided date to meet her here later in the parking lot. You <laughs> see, Raymond, he's doing okay. But don't try to play killed, Valentine. There'll be somebody watching you every minute. Tell him what I mean, Raymond. I think he knows what you mean. Coleman, as you've said several times, I don't have any choice. I have to play the game your way because you have all the cards. Yeah, that makes sense. But look, if anything happens to Miss Brooks, you better make sure I'm dead first. Because I'm going to be out looking for you. (laughs) You didn't think I was going to be here, Lila.
7: How much do you want to bet?
2: Oh, let's say an old Dick Tracy button.
7: Move over. How'd you know this was my car?
2: The parking lot attendant said this pink convertible dreamboat belonged to you.
7: Oh.
2: Where do we go from here?
7: You're only hitchhiking, mister. You've got to take your chances.
2: (laughs) Okay, fair enough.
7: I can give you this much of a hint before we start.
2: Well, that's a... That's a pretty good start in any man's language, Lila. But why the sudden change of heart?
7: Suppose we say I'm curious about a man who's so willing to take poison.
2: Hey, look, maybe I'm only a hitchhiker, Lila, but you're going over 75 now.
7: I'll be doing faster than that if you don't answer my question. Oh,
2: do you know anybody hired me to make a play for
7: you. All right, it won't be any loss if we both go off the road.
2: Now, wait a minute. Take it easy, Myla. Was
7: it Gorman? Why don't you answer? What are you
2: talking about?
3: You don't have to answer. So it is Gorman. Now I know. Myla! Oh, this is going to be just
7: fine.
2: Yeah, what's that supposed to mean?
7: Exactly where are we, George?
2: Across the road from a gas station you almost didn't miss.
7: I mean exactly where does this whole mess leave us.
2: Why don't you tell me?
7: All right. You and I are going to make sure Frank thinks he's got everything to be jealous of.
2: Hey, aren't you supposed to be in love with a man?
7: Gorman wants to make Frank show himself so he can kill him. I want to know where Frank is so I can save him. What? I know what happened the other night. He's somewhere hurt, wounded, maybe dying.
2: Oh, great. That gives me a very cozy feeling. Like walking around with a target on my back and another one on the front. Who's going to get me first, Frank or Gorman?
7: There's a risk in everything. It's a gamble whether you live or not the moment you're born.
2: Well, before you get too philosophical, Ella, maybe I can sneak in a phone call from the station.
7: But it's closed.
2: There might be a booth in the back. Maybe there's a way to get both of us out of this jam.
7: What makes you such an optimist, George? <clears throat>
2: Let me have police headquarters. Lieutenant Riley in Homicide. Uh-huh, that's right. Yeah, I'll wait. Oh, sorry. Look, mister, you to... Better hang up, Valentine. I think you've got the wrong number. Well, I'm glad you know how to take advice. You make it very easy, Raymond. You insist on pointing a gun at people. Come on out, Valentine. Oh, just wouldn't be an act without you, eh, Gorman? You're too smart, Valentine. You're too... Tell him what I, I mean, mean, Raymond.
8: You... And to think words were unnecessary.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Raymond. Wake him over. But don't let us show. We have to keep him nice and pretty for Miss Parker. <laughs> return to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Meanwhile, here are some interesting figures. Did you know that the Navy calls its five-inch gun the workhorse of the Navy, and that this gun has to be relined after firing about 2,000 times? But that's nothing compared to the work done by spark plugs in your car. They have to fire more than a million times in every thousand miles. And if you've driven 10,000 miles, those spark plugs have fired 15 million times in white-hot temperatures. Dirty, cracked, or chipped plugs are often the cause of hard starting, lagging in traffic, waste of gasoline and power. So if your car has gone 10,000 miles without a new set of spark plugs, better ask for a set of Atlas Champions tomorrow. The accurate timing and full flashing sparking of quality Atlas Champions repay their cost many times over in superior car performance. Ask for them at an independent Chevron gas station or a standard station where they say... And mean, we'll take better care of your car. And now back to tonight's adventure of George Valentine. And here's the situation. You're promised a fat fee to romance a beautiful nightclub singer named Lila. Very pleasant assignment. If you didn't find out that Lila is a decoy in a gun happy feud between two racketeers. Yes, and that their insurance against you making a single wrong move is the girl you happen to love. That's why I like George Valentine. You pick your words carefully now.
7: You talk about it.
2: You know we're being watched, don't you, Lila? And
7: that character over at the bar makes it pretty obvious.
2: What do you say we give him his money's worth? You're supposed to find me very fascinating.
7: <laughs> I'm doing all right. In a quiet sort of way. At least he thinks so. Hmm. Frank if a me look at another man like this. Drive him crazy. Yeah, I uh, I see what you mean. If he ever saw me light a cigarette, like this. Take the first pop and give it to you to smoke, like this. What okay. then? That would be murder, darling. How are we doing? I don't know. But I can see how you can
2: lose an awful lot of ground this way.
7: <laughs> you still haven't told me why you're working for Gorman. Before you answer, try to look romantic. It's expected of us.
2: I'm in this thing for love's sweet sake, Lila, just like you are. So what do you say we leave it that way?
7: George, I've got to find out where Frank is so I can help him.
2: Gorman wants Frank to come out, too. Only he wants to kill him.
7: Have you got an answer?
2: No, not much of a one. But it may be worth playing.
7: Well, why don't you, then?
2: All right, here we go. Oh! Oh! <laughs> That was very clumsy of me, Lila. I'm awfully sorry. Oh, waiter,
7: oh, it's nothing, George. Just a little water. Yes, sir.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Will you take care of this, please, waiter? Oh, of course, right away. It'll only take a minute. Well, you shouldn't dismiss a minute like that, friend. It's sixty seconds long. You can get a lot done in that time.
6: Are you sure, Mister Valentine isn't in his apartment? Oh, I see. And you haven't heard from him since yesterday. No. No, this is Miss Brooks. I'll phone back later. I'm getting nowhere fast. Maybe there's a J.C. Collins in the city directory.
9: Hiya, Miss Brooks. Oh,
2: hi. Thought I'd drop in and see what's wrong with Mr. Valentine.
6: What's that Leo? Have you seen George?
2: When? This morning. He bought a paper for me, like always.
6: You mean he was right outside the building and never came upstairs? I
8: was with some
2: big tough guy who was watching him every
8: minute.
6: Oh, well, did Mr. Valentine say anything to you, Leo? Nah,
10: just took a paper and give me this instead of a nickel. He ain't getting absent-minded or something, is he?
6: Here, let me see
2: that. I started say something to him, but he gave me a look that froze me up tight. So I figured I'd come up and talk
5: to you.
6: Oh, Leo, you're a few months ahead of time, but you're a real Santa Claus.
5: Huh?
6: I am? You don't know what a wonderful present you brought me. Uh, I did? The first real clue I've got. Are you sure you're feeling okay, Miss Brooks? That's nothing but a union
10: button. Every waiter wears one in every restaurant.
6: Lieutenant, I told you I was going to do some flouncing around.
2: I know, and you did. Now, what's this about the waiter's button?
6: I checked with the union. It was issued to Mike Spiegel, who works at the Glass Hat. He reported it lost this morning.
2: I see. And you're sure Valentine slipped it to the newsy for a reason? A
6: good reason. Lieutenant, did you know that Hotel Somerset is owned by Ernie Gorman? Oh,
2: so what? Even a thug like Gorman can own real estate as long as he pays his taxes?
6: Then Gorman could have told the clerk to say there was no J.C. Collins registered there.
11: Yeah,
2: I suppose
11: so.
6: In the letter George got, there was there was much to do about a beautiful dame. Well, there's a beautiful dame named Lila Parker singing at the Glass Hat.
9: Oh, there's a lot of beautiful dames singing in a lot of
10: nightclubs.
6: But Lila happens to be the girlfriend of Frank Brandy, who in turn happens to be Ernie Gorman's biggest rival in this town.
2: Say, that's a thought, Miss Brooks. It sort of interests me. In fact, uh, uh, I like it. Uh, say, where's that waiting button? Where are
6: you going, Lieutenant?
2: Well, now, now it's my turn to do some flouncing around.
7: don't find this routine, I mean, sitting here with me, too boring, George. Somehow,
2: Lila, I have a feeling that tonight isn't going to be boring at all.
7: I think I'd like my coffee now. It's almost time for me to do my number.
2: Sure, sure. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can I do for you, sir? Oh, uh, you must be new. Uh, Yes, sir. I'm taking Spiegel's place just for tonight, sir.
7: Uh, That coffee, George.
2: Oh, well, no, not not just plain coffee. Not tonight, Lila. No? No, no, something more lavish than that. Uh, Cafe Valentino. Huh? Uh, do you think you'll be able to remember this waiting? I'll do the best I can, sir. Oh, now, look, it'll take some mocha, a dash of ginger, a touch of Tabasco, a few drops of Benedictine. Oh, yes, and of
9: course we uh, have Now, Look, have... sir, look, uh, would you mind writing it down here on the pad so they get it uh, just right back in the
2: kitchen? Oh, certainly, certainly. It's really not as complicated as it sounds. Well, I just wanted to make sure we understood each other, sir. Oh, I don't think there'll be any question about that. Yeah, Thank you, sir. I'll be right back.
7: (laughs) You certainly go all out to get what you want, don't you? Well,
2: some things are worth a little extra effort, Lila.
7: I see Gorman has a new boy watching us tonight. Well, that's
2: good. Nothing like variety when every time you turn, there's a gunsel on your tail.
7: George, why doesn't Frank make a move? He must know about us by now. I don't know, Lila. We've been sitting here for three nights, now. Word must have gotten back to him about us. I don't think I can stand this much oh, longer. Now
12: I- we have company. Oh, yes. I uh, hope this is right, sir. They said they did the best they could. Fine, fine. And I'll take the check. Yes, sir.
7: Oh, there goes Gus with my number. Wonderful treat. We'll have to wait, George.
2: Oh, it'll be here, Lila. Now, let's see what the Cafe Valentino made
5: the check look like. Don't
2: worry about Miss Brooks. You stick with Gorman and Granby. We'll be behind you all the time. Riley. We're sorry to drag you out of the glass hat the way we did, uh, Don Valentine, aren't we, Raymond? Personally, I'm filled with remorse. Oh, yeah, I can just see the tears in your baby blue eyes, Raymond. I don't like taking you out of the company of a beautiful dame, but the time has come. It's here. Uh, uh, tell me what I mean, Raymond. Granby's going to stop hiding tonight. He's coming out. How do you know? We caught up with one of his boys after a little persuasion. Yeah, <laughs> It's good persuasion. Uh, he told us. Granby knows what a Casanova Lily thinks you are, Valentine. So he can't hold out anymore, and he's going to pay her a little visit after she gets through singing at the Glass Hat. They're going away together. And that's when you're going to get your chance at him, huh? Congratulations. Well, what do you say, Raymond? Just being sarcastic again. Oh, is that what you call it? Anyway, you're not true yet, Valentine. Surprise. I didn't think I was. You see that Lila goes right home after the club. Then you meet me across the street. I'd like us to be together to see how this thing winds up. You're so good to me. Oh, Ernie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, shall I bring Langley in now? Yeah, yeah, but you talk to him. I don't want to know nothing what happens except that it's done right. See you later, Valentine. I'll be downstairs at the barbers, Raymond. Well, you got a very sensitive boss. He does all right. Langley, come in here.
11: It's about time. Got me flying from Detroit. How long am I supposed to wait?
2: Not long now. you go No, you're going to deal with me. Who's that guy? Oh, I'm just sitting here passing the time of day. Now, if you listen carefully, Langley, you can be back in Detroit tomorrow morning. What do
11: I do? Somebody getting the uh, complete treatment? The full course. Hmm. Now, you park your car in the 800 block on Sierra Avenue. Yeah. Sometime after midnight,
2: a pink convertible is going to pass you. You can't miss it. It's a big custom job. Mm. I don't have to tell you what to do then. Hey, Raymond, wait a minute. You can't... What about Lila? Now who's being sensitive? Are you sure Lila's up there? Why don't you ask your boys, Gorman? They followed us here from the glass hat. I want to be sure. That's why I parked down the street and come over here. Well, you can see the light in the window. And you can't mistake that pink convertible of hers across the street. Yeah, that's right. You know, Gorman, I have a hunch. Grammy got in touch with Lila at the club tonight and told her he'd be in the apartment. Huh? What makes you think that? Well, when we got back here, she was in such a hurry to get upstairs, she jumped out and left the keys in her car. Yeah? And all the boys got to do now is wait. We'll stay right here in this doorway. You're the other boys. <laughs> Look what goes here, Valentine. I don't like the way you're acting. What are you cooking up? My, my, what a suspicious nature. I just know when I'm licked, that's all. Say, what happened to Raymond? You got something else to do. I usual stay out of things like this, but Grimby. And this, I gotta see for myself. Wait a minute. Uh, the light just went out up there. He must be coming downstairs. You stay here for a moment. I'm going to get a little closer. I want to see him better when he comes out with it. I knew you'd be there,
5: Gordon. What? See what you can do about
2: this. She's trying to kill me. Lila, stop it. Don't be a fool. Go on, Gordon. Try, to Where are you
5: going to hide in empty street? Oh, please,
2: Lila, don't.
5: Let me talk this over with Frank. Frank's up here, but he's just...
13: car. That's right, A car. Uh, wait, Carmen, stay out of that car. Don't you say she's trying to kill me? Garland.
14: I told you I to get away! She can't get away! Garmin, wait! I tried to tell you. You can't get away. It's a plan. Garland.
2: This is the first time I ever saw a hearse painted pink and a corpse behind the wheel. Valentine, when you called that car a pink curse, you weren't far wrong. I just had a good look at Gorman down at the morgue. Yeah, well, as you know, Lieutenant, I tried to stop him. Lieutenant, I thought you had
6: men planted all around that street.
2: I did, but they weren't fast enough to keep Langley from killing the man who hired him. Anyway, he and Raymond are going to be out of circulation for a long, long time. What about Lila? Well, what do you want me to do, Valentine? Arrest a woman because she's a bad shot? <laughs> Let the D.A. decide what he wants to do. Well, that's that, Brooksy. Oh, uh, Lieutenant, would you join us in some Cafe Valentino? Why, you say, say, I've been meaning to ask you. What kind of a concoction is that? Oh, just a little thing I dreamed up, Lieutenant. But I'd sure hate to drink it. You can bet a successful contractor knows profit and loss just as well as a banker, a baker, or yourself. J.R. Armstrong, contractor in Oakland, California, keeps a sharp eye on costs when it comes to car operation. That's why he switched to RPM motor oil eight years ago. Today, Mr. Armstrong says, quote, I haven't had an engine breakdown since I started using RPM in 1940, unquote. An unusual record? Well, it's no surprise to RPM users. For compounds in this premium quality motor oil actually stop rust in your car's engine. Protect hot spots left bare by ordinary motor oils. Prevent costly foaming and corrosion. The low-cost operation Mr. Armstrong enjoys is typical of RPM users throughout the West. Another reason they prefer RPM 2 to 1 over any other motor oil. To cut your car expenses, ask for RPM motor oil at standard stations and independent Chevron gas stations where they say, and mean, we'll take better care of your car. (laughs) Next week, when you tune our way for another adventure of George Valentine, you'll hear...
6: There are probably darker places than this, George. I can't think of any. Yeah,
2: we're almost up to the top floor now, Betsy.
6: You know, I could have sworn I heard somebody downstairs in the hall.
2: Oh, probably just plaster falling off the ceiling. Well,
6: I can't imagine anyone living here.
2: let uh, stay right behind me, Angel. Mm-hmm.
5: Oh! George! George, where are you? George!
2: Next adventure of George Valentine has been brought to you by Standard of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and Standard stations throughout the West. Let George Do It stars Robert Bailey as George with Francis Robinson as Claire. Wally Mayer appears as Lieutenant Riley. Tonight's story was written by David Victor and Herbert Little Jr. and directed by Don Clark. Also heard in the cast were Louise Arthur as Lila, Ed Max as Gorman, Louis Van Ruten as Raymond, and Jack Pruschen as Langley. Music is composed and conducted by Eddie Dunstan, your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System.
14: E-Pow-Pow
8: Oh, the big red letter stand for the jell family Oh, the big red letter stand for the jell family That's jell Yum, yum, yum Jell-O pudding Yum, yum, yum Jell-O The Oka pudding
2: The following program is transcribed. All over America, the news is out, and everywhere there's a tremendous amount of talk and excitement about
15: deep-cleaning
2: Oxidol. Women are getting washes so wonderfully clean and white, they can hardly believe it. They're discovering that deep-cleaning Oxidol reaches deep down into fabrics and gets out the gray dirt left clothes by the leading wash day suds, the leading shortcut suds. And this fact was demonstrated to women recently, and I'd like you to hear from Mrs. John Rising of St. Bernard, Ohio, who attended the demonstration. Here's what she saw.
15: In this washing demonstration, they used my clean clothes. Well, at least I thought they were clean because I had just washed them with the leading suds, the way you're told to. Then they washed those clothes over again, this time with deep-cleaning Oxidol. You should have seen the dirty wash water come out of those clothes I thought were clean. That dirty wash water showed me Oxidol really can get out the gray dirt left in clothes by those leading shortcut suds.
2: Thanks, Mrs. Rising. And ladies, here's something we'd like you to try. Next wash day, use deep-cleaning Oxidol and see for yourself how much dirt Oxidol can get out of your clothes. And even more surprising, look at the clothes themselves. When you use deep-cleaning Oxidol, your clothes look sparkling white and bright. Your clothes feel soft and fluffy. Your clothes smell sweet, too. Yes, your clothes look clean, feel clean, smell clean, because they are clean with deep-cleaning Oxidol. Yet, Oxidol is really safe. Deep-clean clothes stay brighter, new-looking longer. So don't wash clothes with suds that leave dirt in. Get clothes deep-clean. Sparkling clean with deep-cleaning Oxidol. Oxidol is deep-cleaning. 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 Ask your dealer for Oxidol today. And now, for Ma Perkins Well, is Ma going to learn the truth about the cousins at last? Yes, Ma told Shuffle that she would ask some questions About the matter of Sylvester denying that he took Willie's and Evie's money we know that Sylvester did take that money, and Shuffle is sure of it. But Sylvester lied to Ma about it, and that's what Ma has promised to find out. Underneath Sylvester's lies are, of course, all their cousins' other lies their web of deceit and fraud. Well, right now it's about 10 o'clock at night, and Willie and Evie are just coming out of the local movie
15: theater. Listen. Didn't you think it was a good movie Roy? Yeah, it was all right, I guess. For 60 cents, a ticket ought to be good. Price is always 60 cents and there, what the picture is. Oh, I enjoyed it. She gave her stunning clothes to wear. The girl? Yeah. yeah. Nice-looking dish. Who, her? Huh? Girl in the picture? Oh, she ain't. Her clothes. Anybody look good in clothes like that. But now him, I thought he was very handsome. The guy? Yeah. I didn't think he was handsome. In fact, I didn't even think he could act. His expression never changed. You never could tell what he was supposed to be. But that's the part he was playing. Strong, silent type. I thought he was very good. Oh, you always think them movie actors are handsome. To me, they all look alike. Hey, wait a minute. Hmm? Across the street. Where? Walking the other way. Hey, ain't that Shuffle? Shuffle? Was he at the movie? Yeah. Walking the other way. Well, sure, it's Shuffle. Wait a minute. Hey, Shuffle! Hey! I thought, I, I thought he was supposed to be at, at my house. that you, Willie? Yeah. Come on, Come on, walk along with me. i got to catch my bus. got to catch his bus. Come on, Abby. It's only a block out of our way. Let, let's walk into the bus station, huh? Really? I suppose you forget. But irregardless, I ain't walking Shuffle to no bus station. Huh? You mean you're still mad at him? Oh, for Pete's sake, Abby. At least we can act civilized. It's Shuffle. I ain't walking Shuffle to no bus station. You seem to have forgotten completely my sentiments about Mr. Shuffle Shover. I got less than ten minutes, kid. Come on. Well, then at least can we walk across the street and say hello to Shuffle? I tell you you start on ahead. I'll catch up. I'll walk across the street with you, but then you're walking home with me. (laughs) (sighs) I ain't having Mr. Shuffle Shober deciding he's more important to my own husband than his own wife, who he sends home by herself when he feels like it. It's a woman's world. I can't win. Although I must say I don't know why you're so steamed up about Shuffle. Anyhow, come on. Here we come. Hi, Shuffle. Evening, Willie. Evening, Evie. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And how's Marietta, your little friend? Why, Marietta's just fine, Evie. Thank you kindly. You folks been at the moving picture show? I see it just let out. Yeah, Evie dragged me to the show tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry that we can't walk you to the bus station shuffle, but Evie wants to get on home. She's kinda of tired. But well, how's business? What brings you to Rushville Center tonight, huh? Oh, I've been at Ma's house, Willie. Yeah? Oh, well, as for business, I got no
2: complaints. My lumber yard's doing good.
15: Oh, isn't that fine? Okay, we'll see you around, Shuffle. Come on, Willie.
2: Uh, Every Willie, well, I got to catch my bus, but I still got a minute or two to spare. Anyhow, the bus ain't come down the street yet. Every Willie, you, I was at Maw's for supper, you see, and no, I can't even ask you.
15: I, you got a job yet, Willie? Well, I ain't on any payroll yet, Shuffle. Willie's been offered many, many real high-class jobs, Shuffle. Just the question of deciding which one. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Evie. That's fine, Willie. Only,
2: well, I know this ain't none of my business, and I ain't asking nothing for myself.
15: But when you love somebody like I love you, Willie, and you too, Evie, then certain things prey on your mind, and you... Well, listen, you two, have you still got your life savings to fall back on, or did you make some kind of an investment with the money? And now, uh, don't even answer now. It's something else which I want to beg you to do. If Ma Perkins should ask you that question, will you give Ma a straight answer? This is important, Willie. Oh, it's mostly you I'm talking to, Evie. Don't you know Ma Perkins wouldn't never hurt you? She she She's never got a single thought in her head except how to help you. And when and if Ma Perkins asked you, did you give your money to Sylvester Hammaker? Just tell her the truth, yes or no. The truth can't
11: hurt anybody, Evie. The truth is what's best.
15: Well, I I haven't anything to hide, Shuffle. I I don't mind telling Ma or telling you neither how Evie and me decide No, hush up, Willie. So Ma wants to find out what we've done with our money. Well, I realize maybe you're paying me a compliment, Shuffle. You're saying maybe I ain't 21 years old yet. But I do happen to be twenty-one. I'm over twenty-one, and me and Willie got every right to invest our money any way we please. Oh, this is just like everything else I'm so sore about. Everybody acting like Willie and me are nobodies. Like Willie and me don't have brains to come in when it's raining. Have you found a job yet, Willie? Have you still got your life savings, Willie? See this, Evie. Take my advice, Evie. All oh, poo, That's what I say. All oh, poo.
2: Oh, Evie, the trouble don't come from folks taking an interest in you. The trouble comes from you resenting their interest. The trouble comes from you being afraid to let folks love you. It ain't me, I mean. It's
15: Ma Perkins. It just makes my blood run cold when I hear such remarks out of you on the subject of your own Ma. But I've spoke my piece. Willie, if you don't tell Ma what she's going to ask you, you're making the biggest mistake of your whole life. Mark my words, Willie. Then I think there's my bus. Yeah, I gotta run. Mark my words, Willie. Evie, it's Ma Perkins who'll be asking you, Willie. But, 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 Shuffle, I. Good uh, uh, night, Shuffle. <sighs> Gee. So he comes over to Master's Supper, and what do the two of them talk about? They talk about us. Well, the way Shuffle said it, Evie, it, it's kind of important. Gee whiz, I don't see why it does any harm telling people how we invested in that radium mine Sylvester told us about. Well, what's the harm in telling Ma? Listen, Willie. What I just said to Shuffle, don't that mean nothing to you? All my life it's been, Abby, do this. Abby, don't do that. Let's ask Ma. Let's tell Ma. Everybody pushing us around. For once in my life, I want to be people just like anybody else. You and me, People. Standing on our own feet, not getting pushed around. But are you sure people are pushing us around, Evie? And if you're talking about Ma, well, for goodness sake, she's older. It's she... a question of who's older. It's a question of everybody acting like like I ain't president of the Jolly Seventeen. Like you ain't as good as the other men in this town. That's what's important. And I'd rather die. I'd rather start than go crawling back to Ma and say... Ma, what should we do? Nobody wants you to die, Evie, or nobody wants you to starve. Well... But if Ma's got some reason for asking about our investment... Did... Did Sylvester tell us there's there's some reason for not telling Ma? As a matter of fact, he did. Sylvester said we shouldn't tell nobody. And, Willie, I won't do it because that's what Sylvester said. And is that my name I hear on those beautiful lips? Huh? Hmm? Sylvester. <laughs> Hi, cousin. Greetings of the people. Oh, Sylvester. The same in person and not a motion picture. Well,
2: you kids probably didn't realize it, but I was across the street when I heard you mention my name.
15: Now, what's up? Am I being paged? Somebody want me to run for president? (laughs) (laughs) No, not exactly, Sylvester. Willie. Mm. Now, Willie, here's Sylvester right now. Let's ask him again. I'll go that far, Willie. We'll ask Sylvester. Always glad to be of service, Cousin Evie. Ask Sylvester. What? Uh, Listen, Sylvester, Mm -hmm. certain people want to find out about our investment with you. Did you tell me and Evie that you don't want us to talk about it? And why shouldn't we talk about it? Why, you know, I was just on my
2: way to your house to discuss this very question. No, Cousin Willie. Under no circumstances must you ever tell anybody.
15: There. And I'll
2: explain to you why. Not even, not even to your own mother, kid. You want to lose all your money, Eddie? Lose
15: our money? Lose our money? Yeah, yeah. The
2: words. Quiet. Now, come on. I'll tell you what. I'll buy you both an ice cream soda, and I'll explain why you mustn't ever breathe a word to a soul. No, sir. Not
15: even to your own money. <laughs>
2: If you have a really big wash to do each wash day, you'll especially welcome deep-cleaning Oxidol in the giant economy size package. For you'll find that this giant economy size Oxidol will do almost any family's wash for a whole month. Yes, just one giant economy size package of Oxidol can do a family's wash for a whole month. And what a wash you'll get with this deep-cleaning Oxidol. A wash so sparkling clean you can see it's clean, feel it's clean, even smell it's clean. So for a wash that's deep clean, sparkling clean, ask your dealer for deep-cleaning Oxidol today in the giant economy-sized package that does most any family's wash for a whole month.
15: And so, with his usual good luck
2: and quick cunning, Sylvester plays on Willie and Eddie. And when Ma asks Willie and Evie that question tomorrow, Evie says, But let's hear it for ourselves tomorrow. Now, this is Charlie Warren inviting you to listen again tomorrow to Oxidal's own Ma Perkins. Transcribed, same time, same station. For a wash that's deep clean. Sparkling clean, use deep cleaning Oxidol. Oxidol is deep cleaning. Deep cleaning. Deep cleaning.
16: America's asking you to call. Drive your Chevrolet through the USA. America's the greatest land of all. On a highway or a road along a levee. Performance is sweeter, nothing can beat her. Life is completer in a Chevy. So make a date today to see the USA and see it in your Chevrolet. Traveling east, traveling west.
8: Wherever you go, Chevy service is best, southward or north, near place or
17: far, there's a Chevrolet dealer for your Chevrolet
16: car.
7: See the USA in your Chevrolet, the Rockies way out west are calling you. Drive your Chevrolet
0: through
16: the USA, where waving fields of wheat pass and review. Where the traveling lighter with a load that's heavy performance is sweeter nothing can beat her life is complete in a chevy so make a day today to see the usa and see
5: it
2: Hollywood, we present the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show. <clears throat> Brought to you by Anacis, for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. And by Chesterfield, the cigarette that gives you something new, something no other cigarette has. Chesterfield mildness, plus no unpleasant aftertaste. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our master of ceremony. Well, Hi, folks. This is Dean Martin.
9: Well, once again, I see Jerry isn't here on time. However, this time I know why he's late. You see, he took a physical examination this morning, and
2: the doctor told him to watch his stomach. So he's been sitting in front of a mirror all day long.
9: And while they're trying to pry him away, I'd like to kick around a bit of a... I wish I was
17: Wish I was a swing and vine Wish I was a swing and vine If I's a swing clingin' vine and only cling to the gal of mine wish I was a swing clingin' vine. I hope it'll be. Tell you what I'd like to be. I hope it'll be. Here is what I dream I'd like to be. Wish I was a fuzzy wuzzy fox. Wish I was a fuzzy wuzzy fox. If I was a fuzzy wuzzy fox, I'd
2: never have
17: to change my socks. I wish I was a fuzzy wuzzy fox. I hope Biddley Dee Tell you what I'd like to be I hope Biddley Dee here is what I dream I'd like to be
18: Wish I was
17: an apple on a tree Wish I was an apple on a tree There's an apple on a tree A girl come along Take a bite of me And I wish I was An apple on a tree Wish I was The sun up above Wish I was The sun up above by the sun, way up above, it's my right down on the one I love. I wish I was the sun up above.
2: Ah, uh, thank you, folks.
9: Now, now uh, I
19: wish I was an apple on a tree. Da da. Hey, I, hey, hey,
8: hey! Not so loud now. Let's keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. What's the matter? Is this a hospital zone?
5: <laughs> Jerry,
8: you try my patience.
19: Okay, I'll try your patience, but you'll have to try my little thin hot
8: cake. <laughs> You're an idiot.
19: Me an idiot? Yes, yeah, <laughs> you. <sure. laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Why, I studied nuclear fission with Oppenheimer,
8: relativity with Einstein, theories with Darwin, and you call me an idiot?
13: <laughs>
8: well, aren't you? Well, yeah.
19: Figure.
13: <laughs> now, look,
8: Sherry, I
9: made up my mind. No more arguments.
19: You can say that again, buddy. One more fight and I'll be the last. I got another single warming up and he's
9: Pretty good. Yeah,
2: what's his name?
8: Joe
19: Stafford. Joe Stafford.
8: <laughs> oh,
2: but she's a girl.
19: Listen, Dean, when are you going to realize that I'm a pretty important guy?
2: Jerry, any impression you may have entertained as to your personal value is entirely irregular, irrelevant, and immaterial. Well, I... Uh, they're suing you again. You've been in court.
8: <laughs> now, Jerry, this has gone far enough.
19: It sure hasn't. And just but that, you can't hear the song I wrote for you. <laughs>
5: Anyway,
17: wrote a song for me? Go ahead. Sing it for me. No? Ah, oh, come on.
19: Coax me. Give me your hoppy
5: badge. Larry, hey, I'm waiting.
19: <clears throat> okay, here it is. i in enchanted, Oh, wait a minute. You wrote that song by yourself? Well, not exactly. My friend Herbie helped me. He plays the drum.
2: <laughs> information, that song was written by Rogers and Hammerstein. Did
19: they tell you they wrote that song?
2: I never met Rogers and Hammerstein, but, uh... So you'd
19: rather take the way to total strangers.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Jerry, you wrote the song, okay? It's your song. Why do you lie?
5: <laughs> yeah,
2: when the please drop the whole thing. Let's get on with the show. Who's our first guest?
19: Say, I have an idea. Instead of having a guest here, why don't you and I do a scene together, both?
5: <laughs> <laughs> All right,
2: ladies and gentlemen, Jerry and I give you our impression of a father trying to put his small son to bed.
17: Little man, you're crying.
19: I'm only two years old. I'm entitled.
17: I know why you're blue.
19: There's sand in my talcum powder.
17: Someone took your kitty car away.
19: It was Mother. She's hated me for years.
17: Better go to sleep now
19: I can't, I'm on the night shift
17: (laughs) Little man, you've had a busy
5: day
19: Quite busy, I was up at five, burned down the garage Pushed grandma into the garbage disposal Cut paper dolls out of the living room rug I was due at ten o'clock and I've been loafing all day
17: You've been playing soldier Who's
19: playing? We're shipping out tonight
17: The battle has been won
19: it was easy. I used real bullets.
17: The enemy is out of sight. They
19: just haven't any gut.
17: Come along there, soldier. Take your filthy hands or...
5: Put <laughs> away
17: your guns. Just one shot at mother. The war is over for tonight. That's what you think. I set a time bomb under Herbie's crib. <laughs> Time to stop your scheming. Someone has
19: to think around here. Good heavens, if I left things up to you last week, you didn't even heat the milk. (laughs)
17: Time, your day was through.
19: It ain't even dark yet, Dad.
17: Can't you hear the bugle softly say? Do you really think that bugle talks? (laughs) Time, you should be dreaming.
5: (laughs) I'll have a nightmare.
19: I just saw Uncle Miltie.
5: (laughs) Ah. (laughs)
17: <laughs> Little man you slipped that in on me you have a busy day I'm, I'm getting,
5: getting sleepy, sleepy.
8: Well, now that we've had our business day, let's turn some business over to Jimmy Wallington.
2: Thanks, Dean. Ladies and gentlemen, the next time you suffer from pains of headache, neuritis, or neuralgia, take Anison. You'll bless the day you heard of this incredibly fast way to relieve these pains. Now, the reason Anison is so wonderfully fast-acting and effective is this. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy to take tablet form. Thousands of people have received envelopes containing Anison tablets from their own dentist or physician. And in this way, discovered the incredibly fast relief Anison brings from pains of headache, neuritis, or neuralgia. So the next time a headache strikes, take Anison for this wonderfully fast relief. Anison. A-N-A-C-I-N. A-N-A-C-I-N. Anison comes in handy boxes of 12 and 30, economical family size bottles of 50 and 100. Get Anison at any drug counter.
9: Folks, our guest tonight is a man Jerry and I have admired
2: since before the start of our own careers. His name has been magic in show business for so long that It isn't really necessary for me to say any more than, ladies and gentlemen, Bing Crosby. Thanks a lot, Dean. You're very sweet. Well, that's okay, Bing. Everybody knows that when it comes to crooning, you're the daddy of them all. Well, I'm no kin of Mel Torme's now. i have already him.
5: <laughs> but I've got
2: four up-and-coming groaners who call me Pappy. Yeah, and uh, I hear they work with you now and then. Uh-huh. I trapped Gary once, got him in to make a platter with me called Sam Bing, what say I do a fast course of Sam with you? Well, Dean, uh, that song is strictly a family deal. Adopt me.
5: <laughs> I'd rather
2: have Bullethead. Where'd he go? <laughs> <laughs>
5: Okay, let's make it good and
2: low, though. Don't sing too loud, because if Gary hears me, I'm cooked. All right.
17: Here's a happy tune. You'll love to crew. They call it That Catchy as can be. This melody they call it sand song Nothing on your mind and then you'll find your humming sand song Why it makes you grim gets under your skin as only a song can do people let you meet out on the streets all whistling sand song. Everyone you see will soon agree. It's such a grand song. So forget your troubles. Where a smile is put in back. You'll find you'll never go wrong. And <laughs> they tune it. this happy tune. They call it Samson.
2: Now we have a musical interpolation by Mr. Dino Martini, who comes to us through the courtesy of Chico's Lasagne Parlor.
17: Dino?
5: Uh, Here's a
17: happy tune that will bring you a smile all the while when you croon that you're really in style. And the the title title is Samson. catchy as can be. With a slight little beat in the mouth, This boy digs the stuff, don't he? The the title title is Samson. Nothing on your mind But the news of the day And the bills you will pay Will keep your hair turning Don't gray But it you're hurt. still humming sand
5: <laughs> You'll continue
17: But it makes you grin Gets just your skin There's on I can do
5: The people that
17: you meet Hello, Joe, what you know when you remind me of motel And business is slow But I'm whistling song. Everyone you see Has a story to tell or a gimmick to sell With a greed that it's well and it's really you <laughs> grandson <laughs> So forget your troubles and wear a smile And you'll find you'll never go wrong If you learn to coo like a lock in the park Who is making his mark Serenading the dock with the chorus of sang
8: It's time to sound off for Chesterfield.
1: Sound off. Sound off.
5: Sound off Chesterfield.
1: <laughs> on the ball, get in the swing. Take a tip from Brother Bing. Chesterfield is on the move. Something smokers
8: all approve. Mildness plus.
1: No
5: aftertaste.
8: Mildness plus. No, no
17: aftertaste. No, after no unpleasant aftertaste in Chesterfield.
8: That's right. Now hear the words of Brother Dean. over the counter are in a machine. It's just a field, that sets
17: the pace with no unpleasant aftertaste. Chesterfield. 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 Mild and mild and Chesterfield.
19: That's right. Now listen, folks, to Brother Jerry. From Cook Among to Bel Air. Chesterfields are on the go. If you don't smoke them, you're a smoke. Da- down, off. For Chesterfield. Down, off. For Chesterfield.
2: Try it back, Chesterfield. Do it. Today. 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 <laughs> well, you know, Bing, that song felt mighty
17: good. Oh, there's nothing like
2: loosening up the old top. Hey, Bing. You, really you know, I
19: want. Hey, you didn't tell me your father was coming. Jerry,
13: this is Bing Crosby.
19: Who are you kidding? If he's Bing Crosby, I'm Frankie Lane.
13: Ah,
17: you better show him, Bing. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day. Well, what do you say, Jerry?
5: Jezebel, if ever
17: Hey, Dean, how long have you been working with this monkey on a stick I uh,
19: Just a minute, Crownsby. I don't happen to like it, see? So I didn't know it was you. This is so terrible. I didn't recognize you without your partner.
2: What do you mean, partner, Junior? I'd do a single.
19: What about the guy that says...
2: Oh,
8: Top of the morning, me lad. <laughs> oh, you mean
2: Barry Fitzgerald.
10: No, you mean Barry
8: Fitzgerald. Now, well, look, Chair, being nice, Bing is our guest. Besides, you boys
2: have something in common. What could this be, Dean? Well, you both have a son named Gary. Hey, Bing,
19: you got a son named Gary, too?
2: What, you never heard of Gary Crosby's? My oldest boy, 18 years old, brings in a lot of loot with his records. Get a, be aware. Come alive.
19: Boy, oh boy. Money sure goes to money.
5: <laughs>
19: oh, that's nothing to blot about. I think it's a shame. This kid's 18, makes all that money. My Gary's six years old. He lays around the house all day like a bum, never brings it. <laughs>
5: Ah, Bing,
9: with all your money, why don't you just buy yourself a nice little continent and settle down? Uh, That's a question you'll have to ask my brother Everett,
19: Dean. Yeah, what's with this brother Everett deal? How come he manages all your affairs? Who chose him, boss?
2: Well, it's a (laughs)
5: long...
2: It's a long story, fellas. It all started way back when we were kids. Brother Bob and I were kind of close, but Everett... Well, Everett, uh, he was a lot like you, Jerry.
19: You mean he was jerky?
5: (laughs) He was a little
2: mixed up. Let's put it that way. I remember back in high school, Everett was sort of mother's favorite.
20: Bing! Bob! Everett! Come in here right away. I want to talk to you. What's on your
21: mind, Ma?
2: I'm not much of a family gab fest, but when you call, why, just think of me as your ever-listening boy.
21: Bing Crosby. Now, where on earth did you develop that horrible lazy manner of speech?
2: Oh, it's not too bad, Ma. I guess it just springs from a lack of attitude and a relaxed approach to life.
21: Good heavens, Robert. You're beginning to sound just like your brother Bing. Well, I certainly hope Everett hasn't been affected.
5: Don't worry about me, Ma. <laughs> I killed wrong. Hey, now, come on.
2: Tell the truth, is
9: Everett really one of us?
2: Of
8: course he isn't. <laughs> no
9: better than that. We were brought by the stork. He came by bat.
21: Now, 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 stop that. I want you boys to get along. Because from now on, you're going to work together as a singing trio.
19: I don't want to be a singer, Ma. I'm studying animal husbandry. Yeah, let him
2: go, Ma. He'll make some animal a great husband.
21: No, no, my mind is made up. Now let's hear how your voices sound together. Then you start with row, row, row your boat, and you two join in.
17: Row, row, row your
5: boat. Row, row, row your boat. Row, row, your roll. boat, gently now, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. mama, Hey!
2: Kind like you opened a vein or something. <laughs>
5: No, Everett's
2: murder. Besides, I want to do a single.
5: How <laughs> can you
19: do a single? You sound like every other single. You don't have no style. What do you mean I haven't got
2: no style? You take that back or I'll let you have it.
19: I said it and I'm glad. You've got no style. What you here. asked
2: for. <laughs>
20: <laughs> Why, it didn't cross you. How dare you hit your brother. There, there, river, blabber,
8: Everett said you made a boo-boo.
5: Ah. <laughs> it's not
17: too bad. I made a boo-boo. You <laughs> made a boo-boo. Aye. I made a boo-boo. Divúng- <passé> Listen, <turned academies> he's got it.
8: A new style of
20: singing. You're right. Crazy. Bing Crosby, from now on. I hope you realize that you owe your brother everything.
19: Yeah, and that's what I'm gonna get. Everything. <laughs>
2: Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard the humble beginnings of the Crosby story. The rest is history. And today, in the busy little town of Crosbyville, where Crosby Boulevard meets Crosby Lane next to the Crosby National Bank, on the 18th floor of the Crosby Building situated high in the Crosby Hills, sitting at his huge Crosby desk is the fabulous Everett Crosby.
19: Crosby Enterprises. Bing makes it every takes it. Who's calling?
5: <laughs>
19: Washington, okay, put him on. What is it, Harry?
5: <laughs> There's
19: no debt. Look, kid, I hate to turn you down, but $2 billion don't grow on trees, you know. Are you kidding? Bing's got to work a month for that kind of dough. <laughs> I'm sorry, Harry. Harry, you don't have to get sore about it, Harry. Harry! Well, if that's the way you're going to be, all right for you in 52. (laughs) Who is it? It's me, your brother Ben. Well, shove the money under the door and blow.
5: Well, I brought Brother
13: Bob to see you. Shove him under the money.
8: (laughs) Here, I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to leave. Oh, Everett, is that a nice way to talk to your
2: brothers? Oh, I'm just ruthless. And I'm penniless Listen, Everett, I'm real short of this stuff Could you let me have a few bucks, huh?
19: What did you do with the money I gave you yesterday? I spent it You spent it? I gave you $15 million
2: Yeah, the man's got to live
8: <laughs> Now, think you have to assert yourself with this boy I don't like to see you get
2: pushed around like this Speak up You have rights Look, out. I sing on records, I make money I sing in movies, I make money I sing on the radio, I make money All I do is sing and make money I hear the singing, but I don't see the money. <laughs>
19: <laughs> so are even. I see the money, and I don't hear the singing.
2: Fellas, <laughs> there's only one thing to do. Let's go back to Mother's idea and form a trio. No Bro- more argument. Right. Brother Bob, you just made the suggestion of the night.
19: You mean you'll let me sing with you? Yes. Oh, this'll be Cardinal
8: Peachy and Keene. Why,
2: Why, we're, we're 3, three Crosby
5: brothers party? who made our, our way. I'm Bing,
8: I'm Bob.
5: I'm every. <laughs> we're, we're
8: three Crosby, Crosby brothers, and brothers,
17: and we're here to say. Bing, Bob.
5: With my
1: mellow voice, I carved a niche. I play my
13: sax at the proper pitch
19: But I get the money Ho, ho, I'm rich <laughs>
17: I'm big, I'm bald
5: I am the...
9: Jerry and I have been partners and buddies for over five years
2: now, and it's been a wonderful period for both of us. Lots of laughs and lots of good luck. Seems like only yesterday that we were sitting in the small club listening to a tinny little band and talking about our dreams and hopes for the future. Neither one
9: of us were setting the world on fire. My singing just about kept me in coffee and cigarettes, and Jerry's record act just about kept him in milk and funny books.
2: And suddenly... One of us had a brainstorm, and i will be darned if either of us can remember which one it was, but it was right at that moment that we decided to try our luck as a team, and it always seemed symbolic that, as we shook hands, the tinny little band was playing. You may not be
17: an angel, cause angels are so few. But until the day that one comes along, I'll spring long with you. I'm looking for an angel to sing my love song to. And until the day that one comes along, I'll string along with you. For the little fault that you
5: have,
17: say I got three or four. The human little father, that's it you have, just make me love you more. You may not be an angel, but still I'm sure that's you Oh, until the day that one comes along I'll string along with you For every little fault that you have said I got three or
5: four
17: The human little fault you do have Just make me love you more You may not be an angel But still I'm sure you'll do So until the day that one
5: comes along
17: I'll string along with
2: you. Ah, oh, that was fine. Very nice, Dean. Pretty good for a fairly new pair of pipes. I don't mind saying I think you're a comer.
19: I like it too, but you know something being... I really do like
2: your style of talking. No kidding. It's contagious, too, like the mumps. Right, Bing? Oh, I don't know. I've heard voices. I've heard voices in my time, but Bing has a certain amount of the careless charm that simply fascinates the unsuspecting masses. However, I can't really say I find it contagious.
5: No, I guess it's not
8: too contagious. Just one of those loose-lipped dragons that try to topple off the clock. Well the man's gotta be wrong sometime. I guess it's my turn. (laughs) No, Bing, the way you talk isn't gonna change You know, Bing it certainly certainly was nice having you with us tonight.
19: Yeah, and don't forget, Bing, we're gonna be paying you a visit real soon, too.
2: Right. I'll see you then, fellas. Good night, Bing. Thank you. Good night, Bing.
8: Until we meet all you folks out there again, this is Dean
14: Martin. And
19: Jerry Lewis saying, don't forget, we appear on radio through the courtesy of Hal Wallace Productions, producers of our new picture soon to be released, Sailor Beware. Good night, everybody. Good
5: night God bless. (laughs)
2: Hollywood, you have just heard transcribed, the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show, written by Ed Simmons and Norman Lear, produced and directed by Dick Mack, with music under the direction of Dick Stabile, brought to you by Anderson, for fast relief from pain and headache, uritis and drowsha. and by Chesterfield, which brings you the greatest lineup of talent in radio and television history, Fred Allen, Arthur Godfrey, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Jerry Lester, Perry Como, and Dean Martin, and Jerry Lewis. Here, Duffy's Tavern with Archie on NBC.
22: Your Coca Cola Bottler presents Claudia. Claudia, based on the original stories by Rose Franken. Brought to you transcribed Monday through Friday by your friendly neighbor who bottles Coca-Cola. Relax, and while you're listening, refresh yourself. Have a Coke. And now, Claudia. Hey, hey, look out!
8: Hey, where do you think you're going? Now wait a minute. I've been parked here for five minutes. You backed your cabin to me. Oh, a wise guy. So you want to get tough about it. I got a mind to push a face in.
14: If there's any face pushing to be done, perhaps we'd better step out here on the sidewalk.
8: Oh, now wait a second, boss. Do I look completely nuts? I should pick a fight with the guy six feet tall. Honest, you don't look so big sitting in the car. Them cars are sort of deceiving. You still think I bumped into you? Okay, boss, okay. I bumped into you. I just made a try at passing the buck. <laughs> you can't blame a guy for trying, huh?
5: <laughs>
8: hey, you to break it up. Get moving. Everything's under control, officer. This kind taxi driver just thought I needed a push. Oh, he did, did he? Well, you come back here, young fellow. Where do you think you're going? Who, me? Who, who do you think I mean? It's your car, ain't it? Yes, I'm meeting someone here. I I have to wait. Oh, you're waiting for someone, eh? Everybody is waiting for someone until my back is then they're off. And I got a parked car to my beat. You see all them cars? There seems to be quite a few of them. I had a hard time finding space. Oh, you had a hard time finding space, did you? Well, they were all waiting for someone, and now they've got someone waiting for them. Every last son of them is going to get a ticket. But I'm really waiting for someone. Here she comes now.
5: Oh, David, David.
8: Hmm, looks like somebody was telling me the truth for a change.
21: David, has something happened? What's this policeman about? Have you been run over or anything?
8: Yes, people who get run over always get up and argue with the police department.
21: David, you oughtn't to argue with policemen; it's bad luck.
8: That's right, miss. He was arguing himself right into a $3 parking ticket. But since you're such a nice young lady, I won't give him one this time.
21: Oh, thank you, officer. See what I did for you, David?
8: Now, wait a minute. If you hadn't have been late in the first place...
21: I'm not late. What time is it?
8: Ten minutes past four.
21: My watch says twenty past.
8: Then by your own standards, you're twenty minutes late. Oh, no! look, you two, do me a favor, will you? Get off me B. Take a drive around the park and fight it out. Ten minutes past four, twenty minutes past four, half past the booby hat.
21: That's just what we planned to do, but we have to go into this store first.
8: Listen, Claudia, you can't park on this block.
21: That's silly. Of course we can. Who says we can't?
8: I says you can't, miss. The law says you can't. The
21: law, poof. Look at all those cards. Well,
14: Claudia, the law is one thing you can't say poof to. You said a mouthful, buddy. Come on now, now. Don't argue.
21: Oh, I've never heard of such nonsense. What does the law expect us to do? Take the car into the shop with us like a Pekingese?
8: <laughs> like a Pekingese. That's a good one. What store do you have to go into, miss? The jewelry store. The jewelry store? Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? Oh, now, isn't that sweet? Go ahead, and I'll stand out here and watch your car. And take your time, take your time. You only do it once in a lifetime. Oh, thank you, officer. Hey, uh, buddy, come here a minute. Hmm? Listen, you don't argue with your girl before you get married. Mm-hmm. It ain't smart. But I, I... You want to fight, so save it up till after you're married. Then she can't walk out on you. Get smart, get smart. David, Hurry!
21: What was he talking to you about? Why'd he change his mind so suddenly? What is there about you that makes people call you Buddy?
2: I'm ingratiating. People like me. Look, he's just a sentimental cop. A boy and girl in front of a jewelry store add up to love and an engagement ring.
21: Well, we can't let him think. It. It's dishonesty. Nick. Just to get out of a, a parking ticket... May I can't... help you, Miss? Yes, please. You fixed my mother's watch a week ago because it lost five minutes. And now it doesn't go at all.
14: Uh, may I see it, Miss?
21: Yes. I put it right on top of the dresser this morning so I wouldn't forget it. Wasn't I smart?
14: Well, where is it? The jeweler wants
21: to see it. On the top of the dresser.
14: Well, anyway, you didn't forget where you left it. I'm sorry, miss. Is there anything else?
21: No, thank you. Nothing else. David, look. Our brass button Cupid smiling at us through the window. Oh, now he'll know that it, it wasn't true about us.
2: What wasn't true about us?
21: That we aren't engaged in buying a ring. You know, I don't think he'd be so romantic if he knew we were an old married couple.
2: Of six weeks.
14: Uh, Just a moment. Uh, Yes, sir? We'd like to look at some engagement rings. Engagement rings? Certainly. David, stop you mad. A parking ticket's a very serious matter, Claudia. The price of leaving this store without a ring will be a summons for that lovesick cop out there. How
21: much is a ticket?
14: Three dollars for the first offense.
21: Getting Mama's watch fixed is going to be pretty expensive.
14: If you'll just step over to the counter, please. We have a wide selection to choose from. David call him off before it's too late. It's too late. Don't you remember? We got married too quickly for you to have an engagement ring. You said you'd prefer my wristwatch.
21: I did. I still do. Something of yours.
14: Very pretty sentiment. Well, I never saw so many rings. That's a nice one over there. Uh, There? No, no. To the right. There? No, no. To the left. There? Yes, that's the one. You have a very discerning eye, sir. That's one of the most perfect diamonds we have in the house. David, are you crazy? Could be.
21: A ring like that would cost a fortune.
14: For the girl I love, nothing is too good.
21: The girl you love would rather have a new set of pots and pans.
14: That's a very nice ring. Uh, how much is it? $3,600. $3,
21: dollars just a diamond that's ridiculous
14: diamonds are expensive madam that's what makes them so rare or should I say it the other way around David
21: okay, I didn't know it cost so much money to fall in love <laughs> look that's funny what's funny the smaller the stone the bigger the setting uh, how much is is that one there
14: 850 only
21: 850? 850
14: eight hundred and fifty dollars madam
21: you know I was a fairly inexpensive bride as brides go and and how much is that one there
14: hundred and twenty dollars miss What are you doing, taking inventory of his stock? Hush up.
21: How much is that one over there?
14: Oh, you mean that little one over there? Uh Uh-huh. $75. But, of course, it's a very small stone. Do they still call them diamonds when they're that small?
21: I think it's lovely. I like small things. Not small men, though.
14: We have other rings at various prices. Uh, Sir, how about a pearl?
21: No, no, no. An engagement ring has to be a diamond or nothing.
14: Well,
2: this particular one is so small, it's both. A diamond and nothing. Don't
21: be
8: silly, it sparkles.
2: Oh, oh here's our Cupid. Don't worry, your car's
8: all right. I've been watching it. I just came in to see how you're getting along. Say, is that the one you picked out? Beautiful, isn't it? Oh, that it is. <gasps> oh, that's a darling ring. A darling ring. Uh, hold it up a little more. Maybe you can see the diamond. Say, what's biting you? I agree with the little lady. That's a beautiful diamond. It ain't what it costs, buddy. To a woman, it's the idea of the thing. So you make a lot of dough in five or ten years and get her a rock the size of your fist. Okay. Anyway, she'll always like this one best. (laughs) Say, will you look at that dumb driver? Excuse me, please.
21: Oh, I hate to take it off.
14: Darling, you don't
22: mean you want that miserable little ring.
21: It isn't a miserable little ring. It's a wonderful ring. I didn't know how much I... David, could we afford it? Of
14: course we can afford it, but... I'd rather get you something really nice. There
21: isn't any nicer ring anywhere than this. David, I know you'll think it's silly, but I I didn't realize until now just how undressed a bride can feel without an engagement ring.
2: (laughs) You little sentimental
14: idiot. I'm afraid, sir, that the young lady really does seem to prefer this one. You'll take a check, won't you? Yes, sir. Uh, The uh, ring is $75, without the tax, of course. $72,
21: David. We're saving $3 on a parking ticket.
0: And why must you always call me as if I'm deaf? Did you stop at the jewelers? Yes, Mama. What? Yes, Mama. I mean, yes, Mama.
14: Well, now that we've got all the mamas out of the way... Did he
0: tell you what was wrong with my watch? No, he didn't. Uh, Mama. Did he tell you when they could return it? He didn't say that either. Mama. Mama. (laughs) Did you
14: ask him? She forgot, Mama.
0: Sometimes I think she'd forget her head if it wasn't firmly attached. Aren't you just assuming that it is firmly attached? Yes, I'm optimistic. Well, I suppose they'll let me know when it's ready. I certainly miss not having a watch.
8: Make Claudia lend you hers as punishment.
0: Wait a minute. By the way you're acting, I bet you didn't even go to the jewelers. Oh, but we did. We can prove that we did. Then prove it by telling me about my watch. Oh, your watch? It's perfectly safe. I was worried about his keeping time, not about its safety. Knowing
14: your daughter, you should have worried about that, too.
0: You didn't drop it, did you? It was your grandmother's. Oh, no,
21: I told you. I told you it's perfectly safe. It's in the safest place it could be. It's right on top of my bureau. I knew it. Claudia, stop
0: waving your hand in my face. What's the matter with you? She's
21: very obtuse, David, and a little nearsighted.
2: She wouldn't have to be very nearsighted not to
0: see that.
21: David, Mama, hold out your hand and close your eyes.
0: It isn't a baby turtle or anything. She did that with a baby turtle once, David.
21: Well, this isn't a baby turtle. I shall...
0: Don't cheat. Right one, too. There. There what? There on your finger, you silly woman. Oh. Oh, that. Where'd you get it? In a box of
21: popcorn? David, isn't she the limit... No, we got it at the jeweler's.
0: What for? Did he give it to you as a souvenir for forgetting my watch?
21: Oh, what a letdown, David. You go and spend your hard-earned money buying a wonderful ring, and she acts like that. Mom, I'm ashamed
0: of you. Hand me my glasses. I am a little nearsighted, David. Why, it has a diamond in it. It has a wonderful diamond in it. They don't make any better diamonds. Or any smaller ones. Oh. It looks like an engagement ring. She says it looks like an engagement ring. You two imbeciles. It's really lovely on the hand. The wedding ring fills it out. Children, I shall treasure it to the end of my life. But, Mama, it isn't... Uh, Claudia. Oh, David.
14: Won't you ever get over the habit of interrupting your mother?
0: David, I guess the women in our family run true to type. Claudia and you got married too quickly to bother about her engagement ring. Yes, Mama. And I suppose she told you that I never had an engagement ring either. You Never seemed to think of it. Her father and I were too busy living. We had to cram enough joy and happiness into those few years to last a whole lifetime. And now, a long while after, I really get my ring anyway. David, you're very sweet.
14: And you're a
22: very wonderful old duck, Mrs. Brown.
14: Now... Get into your best bib and tuckered, and we'll all hop in the car and go out for a bite of supper.
0: There's too much of me in your lives. You two go on alone. No
14: nonsense, Mrs. Brown. You've been needing a little masculine authority for quite a while. Come on.
0: A ring and a dinner all on the same evening? (laughs) I feel like a bride. Well, all right. Tonight I won't argue about it. I won't be but a minute.
2: I'm I'm sorry, darling.
22: When your mother misunderstood... David,
21: don't say you're sorry. Because what you did just now was the most beautiful gift in all the world.
14: I'll get you another ring. I don't need
21: it. That was a wonderful ring. In one short hour, it made two people terribly happy.
2: Three. Don't forget the lovesick (laughs) policeman.
21: And someday, in maybe about 19 years, I'll get an engagement ring, too. If I'm lucky enough to have a son-in-law as wonderful as you. you.
22: All story material used on this broadcast of Claudia was under the supervision of Rose Franken and William Brown Maloney. To some of you ladies, shopping is fun. To others, it's a chore. But in either case, shopping is pleasanter when you shop refreshed. That's easy to do now that there's Coca-Cola waiting for you in the familiar red cooler at refreshment stands, lunch rooms, service stations, and food stores. When you do the family shopping, pause and refresh yourself with delicious ice-cold Coca-Cola on the way. Every day, Monday through Friday, Claudia comes to you transcribed with the best wishes of your friendly neighbor who bottles Coca-Cola. So listen again tomorrow at the same time. And now this is Joe King saying au revoir and remember, whoever you are, whatever you do, wherever you may be, When you think of refreshment, think of Coca-Cola. For ice-cold Coca-Cola makes any pause the pause that refreshes.
21: And fair. So in the ring, you kids beware. He dynamite because he knows he's got go power from Cheerios. Yes, he's got go power. There he goes. He's feeling his Cheerios, Cheerios, Cheerios.
4: That makes sense. Try Cheerios, the wonderful oat cereal that shaped like a little letter O, and you'll agree. You like that delicious toasted oat flavor, and Cheerios is ready to eat. Just pour out a big bowl full, add good fresh milk, dig in, and start getting your go-power. Because a Cheerios breakfast is full of vitamins, proteins, and minerals. And those are the good things you need to help build red blood, healthy bodies, and strong muscles. So enjoy your breakfasts every day with delicious Cheerios and milk. And get that good go-power.
17: Then folks will say...
18: He's feeling his Cheerios. Mother! Mother! Is Maxwell House the best coffee in the
16: whole world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best.
2: Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons, brought to you by Maxwell House. The coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. All marriages, we've oft been told, are figured out in heaven. But there must be an annex on Maple Street at number 607. In the event that you didn't know, that's where the Andersons live. And that's where Dan Cupid gets in some pretty powerful licks. Like, well, like this.
16: But I'm not hungry. Stop arguing, Kathleen, and eat your dinner.
2: Margaret, I see no reason why the children have to eat at this ridiculous hour. I don't mind eating at 5 o'clock.
18: You don't mind eating, period.
2: Is that so? By 9 o'clock, they'll be storming around here like a bunch of starving Armenians.
16: And if you think... Jim, Louise will hear you. She's upstairs getting dressed.
2: Well, it wasn't her idea. It was yours. Candlelight and soft music.
16: She happens to be my favorite cousin. and If she needs a little help in getting Tom Goodwin to propose...
2: They've been going together for almost five years. And if he hasn't proposed by this time...
16: Jim, he's going to propose. Believe me.
2: I don't know. Women get these weird ideas...
16: There's nothing weird about marriage.
2: There isn't, huh? (laughs) Look, honey, the guy obviously isn't the marrying type. It doesn't take five years to make up your mind.
16: I'm going to see to it that Tom Goodwin proposes to my cousin Louise tonight. Bud? Yes, Dad?
2: I want you to keep this little scene in mind. It may come in very handy in the future.
16: Okay, Dad. Jim.
2: A poor guy by the name of Goodwin just goes along minding his own business, and what happens? They gang up on him. Set traps.
3: Do they really, Daddy?
2: Oh, yes. Flickering candlelight. The sweet scent of camellias. I thought camellias didn't smell. For what I'm being charged, they'd better smell.
18: (laughs) Isn't he awful, Mother, just because he's a man?
2: Now, there's another thing. Isn't it disgraceful? I'm a man. You know, this isn't just a case of Louise and her friend having dinner with us. This is a fight to the finish. The hunters smell blood, and they're closing in for the kill.
13: I thought they were just going to have dinner.
2: (laughs) But as you grow older, you'll learn that women have a peculiar attitude when it comes to unattached males. If a man wanders around unmarried, every woman in the world considers it a personal insult. They band together. They form little groups. They compare strategies.
16: Father. Mm -hmm. Leave him alone, dear. He'll run down. You see, bud? I don't get
2: it.
18: I don't, too. Well,
2: it's very simple, children. Your mother, being a woman, and I wouldn't have it any other way, (laughs) is trying to get poor Tom Goodwin to commit matrimony with her cousin Louise. Oh. Well... Sure.
18: Did you understand that?
2: Keep still, or he'll
16: explain it again. <laughs> Jim, I don't understand your sudden interest in poor Tom Goodwin. You don't even know the man.
2: That has nothing to do with it. He's a man. And in a case like this, we've got to stick together. Right, Bud? Hmm? Oh, oh, sure.
16: Oh, Bud, those are probably the flowers. Will you get them like a good boy?
2: How about my cake?
16: No one's going to touch your cake.
14: Well, I better take it with me anyway.
16: Bud, you'll get crumbs all over the floor. Oh, dear, if he gets this house messed up... Honey,
2: don't you think you're going a little overboard on this thing?
16: I certainly do not. Tom Goodwin is coming all the way from Middletown for this dinner, and if one thing goes wrong... Nothing
18: is going wrong, Mother. He'll be hooked before he knows what hit him. Who's going to get hooked? (laughs) Never mind,
16: dear. Just drink your milk.
2: What I like is the high plane on which females conduct these campaigns. He's going to be hooked.
18: Who is Daddy? Betty, it's Dick Andrews. Tell him I'll be right there. Betty, you haven't finished your dinner. Oh, it's all right, Mother. We're going to stop in for a hamburger on the way to rehearsal. Well, don't stay out too late, dear. I won't. And good hunting. So long, everybody.
2: If she knew she was going to have a hamburger, why did she...
16: I can't understand what happened to the flowers. They were supposed to be here at four. You still didn't tell me. Tell you what, dear? Who's going to get hooked? No one is, Kathy. And please
18: drink your milk. Anytime nobody wants to tell me anything, drink your milk.
14: Boy, is that Dick Andrews a character. You know what he's got on? Three mufflers and... A... Hey, what happened to my cake?
2: Sit down and drink your milk. <laughs>
16: I had a whole piece of cake. You took it with you. I did?
5: Oh.
14: Well, I I guess I ate it.
16: (laughs) You know what Dick Andrews had on?
2: Three mufflers. Yeah. What a character.
16: Jim, if the flowers aren't here in 15 minutes, you'll have to go after them.
2: I have to change my shirt. What's the matter with Bud?
16: He's leaving as soon as he finishes his
18: milk. Me too. I'm being stashed over at Patty's. So I won't say anything.
2: Well, you've certainly got everything all figured out, haven't you?
18: Yes, dear. To the last
16: detail.
2: Poor guy. I hope he knows what he's in for.
16: Meaning me, I suppose. Oh,
2: hello, Louise.
16: Don't pay any attention to Jim, dear. He's just being a man. Oh, Margaret, would
18: you mind very much
16: if Louise!
18: You haven't changed your clothes. I know, dear. You see, I've been thinking the whole thing over, and I'm not she sure She looks all right, we...
2: Margaret. Why don't you leave her alone?
16: Louise Baker, you march right upstairs and put on your blue dress. Margaret. Honey,
10: if she doesn't want Jim,
16: to... will you please leave this to me? Oh, He's here. He isn't here. He won't be here for an hour. It's only the man with the flowers. Bud?
10: Yes,
2: ma'am.
13: It's a good thing for this family. I know how to open a door.
5: (laughs) He's
2: the ambitious type.
16: Margaret, would you mind very much if we called the whole thing off? I most certainly would. But if Tom ever
18: finds out... Louise, you
2: can't call off an avalanche. And once Margaret gets started, well, uh, that's it.
18: Somebody's going to get hurt, Kathy. Oh, dear.
2: Don't worry about helpful Henrietta... She'll be out of here before you can say, Why, Tom, how sudden.
16: Jim, when it comes to being helpful... Well, even if he does propose, Margaret, it won't work. A man shouldn't be tricked into marriage. Oh, don't be ridiculous. (laughs) Shouldn't. A marriage has to be built on a firmer foundation. And if it starts out with trickery and deceit, well, how can it possibly last? Jim and I have done all right, haven't we? (laughs) Now, wait
5: a
2: minute. Um,
16: what is it, Bud? It
14: was Mr. Davis, and he said to tell you he was awfully sorry, but they have to go over to his mother's
9: for dinner. Oh,
16: dear. Now what are we going to do about Kathy? Why don't I go over to the Woody's? Why don't I just go back to Middletown? You go upstairs and change your clothes. And let's not have any more of this nonsense.
2: Better do what she says,
16: Louise. She's a pretty rough customer. I'll see you later. Just a minute, bud. But Joe's waiting for me. Go ahead, Louise. Margaret, I am not a child. Of course you aren't. Now go upstairs and change. Oh, good grief. (laughs) This is the silliest thing I've ever done in my entire life.
2: Wait until after you're married. That's when the silly things really begin.
16: (laughs) Jim, what are you trying to do? What am I supposed to do? Just stand here? Oh... Bud, you'll take Kathy with you. Oh, boy! Holy cow, Mom. You're only going over to Joe's. I know, but we're going to invent a telephone.
2: Okay, Kathy can be the (laughs) bell. Holy cow.
18: Go ahead, Bud, and take good care of your sister.
14: If she touches one thing...
18: I won't, Bud. Honest, I won't. You won't even know I'm there. Really, you won't.
14: Holy cow.
2: Margaret... Yes, dear. Would you mind explaining one small thing to me?
16: Of course not, but don't you think you'd better run down for the flowers? The
2: flowers can wait. What did you mean, Jim and I have done all right?
16: Well, haven't we?
2: Naturally. But there wasn't any trickery involved in our marriage. The whole thing was my idea.
16: Oh, Jim. It was no such thing. I made up my mind the first day we ever met.
2: And I suppose I had nothing to do with it.
16: That's right.
2: Now, look, Margaret.
16: Angel. Do you remember what happened the night you proposed?
2: Of course I do. I walked around the block six times before I had the nerve to go in.
16: It was only five. It was six. My father was counting them, and it was five. (laughs) Okay,
2: five. But when I pushed the bell, that was it.
16: Jim, you were it before you even saw the bell.
2: You know, now that I think of it... I got the candlelight and soft music business myself, didn't I? (sighs)
16: To a wild rose. Took me six months to learn the darn thing.
2: And come to think of it, I've never heard you play anything since. (laughs) Just to a wild rose.
16: That's all it took.
2: Well, if that isn't the most cold-blooded conniving, I'm getting to the point where I don't even like women.
16: You aren't supposed to, dear. Just me.
2: Think you're clever, don't you? I've got a good mind to tell Tom Goodman what this is all about.
16: You wouldn't dare. Oh,
2: I wouldn't, wouldn't I? No,
16: you wouldn't. Now stop acting like a spoiled little boy and answer the door. Yes, Mother. And if it isn't the man with the flowers, you will have to go after
2: them. I don't have to. But I will. (laughs) Women, they think they're so smart about everything. Can't even let a man make up his own mind about getting married. Music, flowers... Well, it certainly took you long enough to get here. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Anderson, but you see... Never mind the explanations. Just give me the flowers. Yes, sir. You just about ruined everything. I did? You certainly did. You see, these aren't just flowers. These are tools to dig the grave of an unsuspecting bachelor. They are? Yep. Poor guy. He's as good as cooked right now. Well, where do I sign them? For what? The flowers. Don't I have to sign for them? Oh, no. You see, I'm Tom Goodwin. <laughs> Looks like father may have talked out of turn this time. And yet, more often than not, the man of the house does know exactly what he's talking about. For instance, ladies, when it comes to coffee, truly good coffee, that husband of yours is the world's greatest expert. No two ways
22: about it. The number one expert on coffee is your husband. Of
2: course, grocers call us experts, too. They know more families enjoy our Maxwell House coffee than any other brand. But when you brew the coffee, the final judge is your husband. And tomorrow, if you'll fill his cup with wonderfully good Maxwell House, we're sure he'll smile across the table and say, Wonderful. Best coffee ever. In fact, if he doesn't, we'll give you your money back. You see, we know no coffee tastes like Maxwell House because no coffee's made like Maxwell House. In all this world, there's only one recipe for that famous good-to-the-last-drop flavor. A recipe demanding certain choice coffees, blended just so. And only Maxwell House has that recipe. So we say, take home a pound of our coffee. Tomorrow, serve your husband, Maxwell House. If he doesn't say, best coffee ever, just send us the can, an unused portion, and we'll gladly refund the price you paid. Our address is plainly printed on every familiar blue tin. But enough from me. Tomorrow, see how much the world's greatest expert enjoys our coffee. Tomorrow, serve your husband Maxwell House coffee.
22: Good to the last drop.
2: The candles have burned low in the Anderson's dining room, and the scent of flowers mingles gently with the memory of good red beef. The dinner hour is almost gone, and a delicate moment approaches. The time has arrived for the kill, like this.
16: Why don't we have our coffee in the living room? I think we'll be much more comfortable. In the
2: living room? Since when do we have. Jim. Oh, yes. Why
16: don't we have our coffee
2: in the living room?
16: <laughs> uh, be
2: more comfortable. Ah, oh, gosh, that was sure a wonderful dinner, Margaret.
16: Well, thank you, Tom. Margaret's a wonderful cook, isn't she?
2: She sure is.
16: Well, it runs in our family. Doesn't it, Louise? Well, I wouldn't exactly say that. You She's see, I... just being modest, Tom. Grandmother Williams always used to say that our family produced the finest cooks in the entire country.
2: Ye God.
16: <laughs> what was that, dear?
2: Yeah, nothing, nothing. I was just, uh, Well... Certainly looks romantic in here, doesn't it? Fire in the fireplace. All the lights turned off. Jim. Well, I was only saying... Why
16: don't you sit down, Tom, and we'll have our coffee.
2: Well, thank you very much. Cream and sugar? No, thanks. I'll... Take it straight.
16: <laughs> Louise? Thank you, Margaret. You take yours plain, too, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. Isn't that an amazing coincidence? You and Tom have so many things in common, don't you? <laughs> oh. Is something wrong, Jim?
2: No, no, I, uh... I was just wondering when my turn was coming up. Uh, for coffee, I mean.
15: Here you are, dear.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, You know, Tom, it's a funny thing, but after you get used to having a few kids in the house, Louise,
16: why don't you play something for us? Oh, I don't think sure. Sure, go
2: ahead, Lou. You play, and uh, we'll drink our coffee.
21: All right. Uh, How would you like to a wild (laughs) rose?
16: What happened, Jim? If you don't stop,
2: it's that. all right. I it, it went down the wrong pipe. That's us
16: <laughs> go ahead, Louise. Oh, but Jim I... will love to a wild rose.
2: Oh yes, it's uh, it's uh, practically my favorite song. Yeah, mine too. Yes. <laughs> Well, that didn't last very long, did it?
16: Kathy, why aren't you... Hi,
2: everybody. Bud. Hello, Mrs. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. You guys, they brought a friend.
16: <laughs> Bud, I distinctly told you... Mom,
14: you know what she did? She blew out all the fuses at the Phillips.
16: I did not.
14: You certainly did. I didn't either, did I, Joe? Well, I don't know who did it, but the lights are sure
18: all out.
5: <laughs>
14: Look, uh, why don't you kids... We told her to plug it in when we said
2: okay.
18: You did not. You just said to plug it in.
2: Joe, you were right there, didn't I? I tell her to wait. Gosh, I don't know. I was down in the basement. What were you trying to do? Blow up the house? We were making a telephone, Dad, and
14: I told Bud. Her...
2: Yes, ma'am?
16: I want you and Kathy to go right back to Joe's. But there aren't any lights. Bud uh, Anderson, if you don't go back to Joe's this very instant...
18: Hey, what's the matter with our lights?
16: Jim, will you please do something? All right, honey. Did we blow a fuse, too?
2: Your mother is liable to any second. <laughs> Joe? Yes, sir? Aren't your mother and father at home? No, sir. You see, we didn't know Kathy
10: was coming over, and when she did, my mother and father decided they had to go to the movies.
16: <laughs> Jim, why don't you take the children inside?
2: All right. Come on, kids.
16: I'm sure Louise and Tom will understand. Of course.
18: Oh, was he the one who's going to get... Kathy? Kathy? <laughs>
2: go
18: down to the playroom and see if we can't
2: get this
16: thing straightened out. Come on, Kathy. Well, stop calling me. Why do you always have to call me? See you later, me? Mrs. Anderson. All right, Joe. <laughs> I'm awfully sorry, Tom.
2: Oh, that's okay. I don't mind a little noise.
18: Tom lives at the Y in Middletown and he's used to having boys around. Aren't you, Tom? Yeah,
2: I sure am.
18: I see. Uh, tell me, do
16: you like living at the Y?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, I like it fine.
16: I mean, it isn't like having your own home, is it?
2: Well, no, but then there wouldn't be any sense in my having my own home, would there? Gosh, I'm not even married.
16: Um, So we understand. Margaret, if you don't mind... Well, I I guess
2: I got that
17: all. Jim!
16: (coughs) Why aren't you more careful? What do you mean,
2: careful? It's so dark in here, I can't even see where I'm... Uh, I'm sorry, Tom. Oh, that's all right, Jim. There. Just about made it, didn't I?
16: Are the children all right, dear?
2: Oh, sure. They're going to rig up the phone over here, but they promised not to make any noise.
16: Oh, dear.
2: You see, Joe got a telephone outfit for Christmas, and they've been trying to... Jim.
16: Louise was going to play.
2: But I was just telling... Uh, I'm sorry, Louise. Uh, Just go right ahead. Well? To a wild rose.
21: (laughs) All right.
22: Pretty, isn't it?
16: Jim.
2: Well, I was just... Yes,
18: You, everybody, I'm back! Oh, no. Go on, dance, Dantic, I'll be right there. Okay. Mother, the most terrible thing happened we were... What are you all sitting around in the dark for?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, roses grow better that way. (laughs)
18: What? Betty, you said the rehearsal wouldn't be over until ten. Well, the boiler broke down and there wasn't any heat and you've never seen any place so cold. Hi, Louise. Hello, dear. I, um... I haven't met your friend. Oh, I'm sorry. Betty, this is Tom Goodwin. How do you do? Hi, Betty.
2: Louise was telling
18: me. Betty! Oh, excuse me. I forgot all about Dick. I'll be right in! Betty, please. I understand, Mother. We won't make a sound.
12: How did he
2: get upstairs?
13: Kathy! Bud! We're almost finished, Dad. Kathy!
16: Betty! I'm coming! I don't know what's gotten into those children tonight.
2: Uh, did you say something, Tom? No, no, I was just sitting here, that's all.
16: Well, ordinarily, you don't even know they're in the house. Honey. Well, well I mean, you, you know they're in the house, of course, but... Go ahead, dear. What? The piano you were doing beautifully, wasn't she, Tom?
2: Oh, well, she sure was, just great.
16: All right, Louise.
2: If the roses weren't wild in the beginning, they are now.
16: <laughs> Jim.
2: I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead.
16: Oh, dear.
21: Kathy, tell Joe it needs
8: more volume. Oh, Joe.
14: Tell him to turn the plug over.
5: Joe, turn the plug over.
16: Okay. Wait a minute. Jim.
2: Leave him alone, Margaret. They'll stop. Kathy,
5: ask
23: him how it is now. But Joe wants to know how it is now. It's worse. Tell him to put it back the way it was. Uh,
5: Joe, put it back the way it was.
16: I don't think I can stand this for another second.
2: The kids at the piano. Daddy, it's
5: for you. Okay, I'll be right in. Uh,
16: Louise. Louise. Uh, Oh, will you excuse us for just a minute? Uh, Jim and I have a few things we want to take care of. Oh, please don't worry about us, Margaret. Oh,
2: we'll get along fine.
16: All right, Jim. What? We have to take care of those things.
2: What thing?
5: Kathy! <laughs>
2: All those things.
5: <laughs> Kathy! Uh,
2: we'll be right back, Tom. Well, don't hurry on our account now. We're not going anywhere.
18: Hello? Oh, hello, Janie.
16: Jim, have I have never along been along? so embarrassed in my
18: entire life.
2: Well, this will teach you not to go around playing Cupid. With a house full of kids, what did you expect?
16: I expected Tom Goodwin to propose, and he's going to.
2: I'll still take Tennessee in six points.
16: (laughs) I want you to go right down to the playroom and explain to Kathy and Why don't I
2: just shoot them and get it over with? Jim. Well, how do you expect a bunch of normal kids? They don't
16: have to practice hog calling tonight, do they?
2: No, but... Well, I'll speak to them.
16: I'll take care of Betty and Jim. Please be firm with them.
2: Oh, sure. I'll tell them they've got to make a very quiet type of noise. Bud.
16: We're down here,
14: Dad.
2: Bud, whether or not you know it, you and Kathy are in a jam.
14: We are?
1: What'd we do? Hey, look at this. There's a whole box of things we never even saw.
2: Well, no wonder it wouldn't work. Bud, I'm trying to tell but you. Let's
18: go upstairs and try it again. Kathy. What?
2: Now, look. Bud. Bud. Kathy. And you too, Joe.
23: Yes,
5: sir? <laughs> I went out
2: and bought a book. And I'm now an expert on child psychology. You are?
5: Gosh!
2: And do you know what the book says to do? If I hear one more peep out of any one of you, I'm going to come down here and wring your scrawny little necks.
14: <laughs> Boy. Psychology.
5: <laughs>
2: now, we. That understood? We were only trying to fix up the phone, Dad.
18: We didn't know you were gonna get mad.
2: All right, just remember, one little peep. Jim! Hmm?
18: Oh, Jim! What's the matter, honey? Oh, Jim, it happened. What? What happened? It's his wonderful father. Did he get hurt? Happy. (laughs) excited, I can't even
16: think. What's going on, bud? Louise. No, uh, oh, oh, Jim, I've never been so happy in my whole life. You
2: mean he did it?
16: Look, a ring and everything. Well, what do you know?
2: Well, congratulate me, Jim. I finally made it. You finally made it? I mean, just
5: <laughs>
16: Congratulations,
2: Tom. Thank you, Jim.
16: They, they're going to be married in June. Isn't it thrilling?
2: I should say. Yes, sir, and I owe it all to you and Margaret. To us? Well, sure. You see, Jim, I was an only child, and things around my house were always, well, kind of quiet. All right, but... That's why I was afraid to get married. I thought it'd be sort of dull. But gosh, if it's like this... You mean you're getting married for the noise? Isn't it wonderful?
5: Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no.
2: Tomorrow or Saturday, you'll probably buy coffee for that family of yours. And above all, you'll be shopping for flavor. Then it makes sense, doesn't it, to choose the coffee with the most famous flavor in the world, our Maxwell House coffee. Now, don't take my word. Call in the world's greatest coffee expert. Right. Brew a pot of Maxwell House for your husband.
22: He's the final expert on coffee. When he beams and says, best coffee ever you'll know Maxwell House has the flavor. And for value, well, count for yourself all the truly good cups of coffee you get from every pound. This weekend, look for coffee that gives you your money's worth and more. Look for the
2: friendly blue tin with the big white cup and drop. That's your sign of good coffee. Maxwell House coffee. Always good to the last drop. It's breakfast time on Maple Street, and the Andersons, five little cupids with egg on their chins, are deep in the morning meal and deep in their usual problems, like this.
16: Isn't it strange the way things turn out, dear?
2: You mean Louise and Tom?
16: Yes. (laughs) Now, who would ever have guessed that he was so crazy about children?
18: Louise said they're going to have millions of them.
5: (laughs) She
2: said six.
18: That's what I said.
2: Margaret. Yes, dear? You don't have any more cousins you'd like to, uh,
16: uh... No, dear.
2: Not even a second cousin?
16: Jim, I give you my word, my matchmaking days are over.
2: <laughs> Good. May I please have the sugar? Thank you. Father. Yes, Benny.
18: Do you know a boy named Frank Culbertson?
2: No, I don't think so. Why?
18: Well, he belongs to the athletic club. What about him? Well, you must know him, Father. He's 27 years old, blonde hair, blue eyes, 5 feet 11 inches, 165 uh, though, pounds. Whoa, wait a
2: minute. Even if I did know him, don't you think he's a little old for you?
18: Oh, I didn't mean for me. But Janie Liggett's cousin is 25. And that's pretty old for a girl to be wandering around without a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So we were just wondering if you couldn't please. sort of drop oh, a kid around the club are that you know a yeah, girl who'd be lots of fun for to be somebody late for who is blonde. Is it all right you if I dust my toe 5 feet well, 11 and weighed 165 pounds? <laughs>
22: At breakfast time,
2: you don't have to say...
21: You children eat your cereal right this instant.
2: Just say...
16: Hopalong Cassidy is crazy about hot wheat meal.
2: Just a little psychology. Yes, to get your children to eat a hot cereal, just tell them Post Wheat Meal is Hopalong Cassidy's favorite hot cereal. And they'll eat it too. Post Wheat Meal is chock full of solid whole wheat nourishment, has a wonderful nut-like flavor, and it cooks in just three and a half minutes.
22: You'll see, you'll all agree, it's the best hot cereal you ever ate.
2: Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with June Whitley as Margaret, Roy Barkey in the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Former. So until next Thursday... Good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Dragnet, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Coming up, Dragnet with tense, absorbing drama on NBC. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is water. W-A-T-E-R. Really? You bet your life! The DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America present Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life, the comedy quiz series produced and transcribed
9: from Hollywood. And here he is, the one, the only... <laughs> I thought he went with the wild goose goes. Oh, that's me, Groucho Marx! Woo. Thank you. Well, here I am again with $1,000 for one of our couples tonight. George Fannerman, who's first? A couple of Irish people selected from our studio audience just before we went on the air. It's our way of noticing St. Patrick's Day, Groucho, and here they are. Miss Beth O'Haggerty and Mr. John Daniger meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, folks, for the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers. And if one of you says the secret word, he wins $100 in cash instantly. It's a common word, something you use every day. Mr. uh, uh, Dun- uh how do you pronounce it? Danaher. 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 Yes. What do you got that G in there, just to the fool people? <laughs> that's, a, that's a real Irish name, huh?
12: Real Irish, I bet your life is a real Irish name.
9: And we got a plug for the show, too. <laughs> Where
12: are you from, uh, Patty, me lad? I'm from Roscommon on the banks of the Shannon in the west part of Ireland.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, that
9: sounds pretty authentic. Huh?
5: <laughs>
9: how, how long since you uh, since you were in Ireland?
12: Forty-two years.
9: And after all these years, you still have a touch of the old sod? You betcha.
5: <laughs> yes, sir.
9: Have you tried Fells and a good stiff brush?
5: <laughs> <laughs> Miss o-
9: O'Haggerty. I, at least I can pronounce that. Now. <laughs> Beth O'Haggerty, huh?
5: That's right.
9: Which part of Ireland are you from, uh, Beth?
21: Well, I didn't come from Ireland.
9: And how is it you're Irish uh, Was one of your ancestors a policeman?
21: Both yes. of <laughs> Both of my grandparents came from Ireland.
9: Oh, I see. Then you're Irish twice removed. Uh...
5: <laughs>
9: I've been twice removed from Ireland myself.
5: <laughs> well, if
9: you're not from Ireland, where, where are you from, Miss O'Haggerty?
0: I'm from Los Angeles.
9: Well, you're a fine-looking lass. Thank you. Why is it you're not married, Beth? Beautiful girl like you.
0: Oh, I just never found
21: anyone who... Any man that was strong enough to take me away from my job, my career.
9: What are you, a wrestler?
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, no.
9: What is this tenacious job that you stick to, uh, like adhesive tape, huh?
21: Well, at at present, it's uh, Secretary in the tax and insurance department at Paramount.
9: Yeah, I was there a couple weeks ago. I did was... a scene know? in Bing Crosby's picture, Mr. Music. You didn't see me tripping the light fantastic there. Oh, well, huh? my
7: job doesn't have much contact with his talent.
9: Well, mine doesn't either. But,
7: <laughs> but
9: nevertheless, I'm in that picture. How, how old are you, Mr. Doniger? Sixty years. Sixty? Well, you don't look at him. Huh? You're <laughs> a fine broth of a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say broth, I don't mean Irish stew, huh?
12: Well, you're a little old here for Beth, aren't you? Huh? I think so. I really think I am. But besides, I'm married.
9: Well, then it's not very important, huh?
12: <laughs> How did you meet your spouse, uh, Johnny? Well,
9: it's,
11: it's well, about... Well, was 40... more to it than that, I
9: hope.
12: <laughs> It's about 45 years ago. It was in a small town in the west of Ireland, and she was out on the street chasing a chicken.
9: And you were doing the same thing, huh?
12: <laughs> the chicken i took the chicken back and i put it in the in the hen house at the back of her house and then i went back the next night and made my acquaintance and well that's all i'm married to her now anyway
9: what happened to the chicken
5: <laughs>
12: i don't know i never made any inquiries patty <laughs> do you speak did you speak gaelic a little bit not much well could you give us a few words well okay will to come again okay with the way in come on very much what, what does that mean, eh? Well, it means, uh, good evening, how are you? Oh, fine, thank you, how are you?
9: Where is your chicken tonight, I hope i see you uh? again.
5: <laughs>
9: could, could you tell me a joke in Gaelic?
12: No, I couldn't. I, I really couldn't tell you. I wouldn't be able to remember that. Now, what I could tell you is a short one in English, if it's any good to you. <laughs>
9: Well, well, frankly, we could use a joke about <laughs> let's here. Let's hear the one in English, huh?
12: Well, it, Don't it's... Don't make a... the
9: English too good or I won't understand <laughs> it. Right?
12: Well, this, is, this, it uh, this isn't about the English. It's in the English language. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's about Pat that was up on the fourth floor in a building and was on fire. And he shouted to Mike down on the sidewalk and he says, uh, Mike, I'm going to jump. Catch me. So he jumped, flopped down on the sidewalk and Mike jumped away from him and he flopped on the sidewalk and was stretched out. And he says, say... Hey, Why didn't you catch me? He says, I was waiting to see if you'd bounce.
9: (laughs) Well, Pat, uh, if that joke is any indication, you're a much older man than I thought you were. (laughs) Tell me, Mister Donay, uh, uh, have you ever seen a lepre a leprechaun? Eh?
12: No, I've never seen a leprechaun.
9: What is a leprechaun? Is it anything like a republican? Uh? No, they're,
5: they're imaginary people. Well, know. that's a
9: republican, all right. They're imaginary people these days too. <laughs> right? Tell me, uh, uh, how do you usually celebrate Saint Patrick's Day, uh, Johnny?
12: Oh, take a couple of nips or something like you know. <laughs>
5: Hang around the rest of the day and take it easy.
9: What's the real reason you Irish celebrate St. Patrick's Day?
12: Well, because St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland, and he, he drove the snakes out of Ireland.
9: And where are they now?
5: Huh? <laughs> and that,
9: what, after a nip or two, I suppose they all came back again. Right? <laughs> well, after talking to you two, all I can say is a happy St. Patrick's Day to you both. Now, in just one minute, you're going to work together for a chance at $1,000, you bet your life.
2: When you call on any one of the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers, you'll find it's their honest desire to please you, no matter how small the job to be done. The DeSoto Plymouth dealers offer you the benefit of not only the best tools and equipment, not only the factory-trained mechanics, but they also feel it's important to be courteous, to give their customers a square deal. That's their creed, their way of doing business. So no matter where you drive, remember there are DeSoto Plymouth dealers anxious to serve you. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth.
9: Now let's see if an Irish Carlene and her partner will be the ones who get the chance at the DeSoto Plymouth $1,000 question. Find them and bring them up to date on the rules. Each of our three couples has $20. They bet as much of that 20 as they want on
2: each of four questions. The couple that earns the most money gets a chance at the $1,000 question at the end of the show. Our other two couples are in a waiting room off stage, so they don't know what's going on out here.
9: Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You selected capitals of foreign countries as your category. Is that correct? Okay. Now you have $20. How much are you going to risk? $10. What is the capital city of Denmark? Oslo. Mm-hmm. Is that the answer you two have, uh, agree upon? Do you agree with that, uh, Beth? One answer between you now. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's Copenhagen. Now, remember, you're going for a $1,000 a night. How much of the $10 will you bet? Five. What is the capital city of the Netherlands? Netherlands. Don't know. Take a guess, Beth.
18: I can't even think at this point.
9: Well, it's Amsterdam. They now have $5. Now you're down to $5. Now, here's your third question. How much of the five will you try? The five. What is the capital city of Spain? Madrid. Madrid is right. <laughs> We're on the way now. They have $10. All right. Now you got $10. Now here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the 10 will you try? 10. All right. What is the capital city of Portugal? Lisbon. Lisbon is right. And they wind up with the $20 they started with. Thanks and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now don't go away. You may get a chance at the big question. Groucho, the secret word is still water. Perhaps the next couple
2: will say it. They're a barber, Mr. Arthur Fredman, and a housewife, Mrs. Dorsey Ridgney, selected by our studio audience just before we went on the air. And here they are, folks, meet Groucho Marks.
9: Welcome to You Bet Your Life. And if one of you says the secret word at any time, he wins a hundred dollars in cash instantly. It's a common word, something you use every day. A barber and a housewife, eh? Uh, Mr. Friedman, you're the barber, I presume, huh? That's right. <laughs>
5: are our lady barbers, you know. <laughs> where,
9: where are you from, uh, Mr. Friedman? 1533 Vine Street, side of Orr's Barbershop. Is that where you were born? Eh? <laughs> Minneapolis, Minnesota. The I l- thought perhaps you were born on the third chair as you come in. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> you were born where? Minneapolis, Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes. The land of 10,000 lakes, and you left all of them, is that it? That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, where are you from, Mrs. Uh, Rigney?
16: I'm from Greenacres, Washington.
9: What sort of work does your husband do, uh...
16: Uh, my husband is a disabled veteran, but I'm a truck driver.
9: Truck? What kind of a truck? Uh,
16: truck? Well, now I'm hauling house trailers with a truck.
9: And people live in these oh, things? Oh, yes,
16: people live in them.
9: And you pull them across the country while they're living in them?
6: No, I just pull them and, and set them on their lot, and they use that in place of the house, most of them.
9: Oh. Uh, how long have you been a barber, Mr. Friedman? 17 years. Uh, 17 years. Oh, you don't look it. You're a very young-looking man. Where does your husband get his hair cut, Mrs.? Uh...
16: Well, he doesn't have any steady barber.
9: What, is he stewed?
16: <laughs>
5: do your
9: customers ever ask you uh, what's a good way for a man to save his hair, Mr. Friedman? Yes, they do. Well, what do you tell them? Put it in the cigar box.
5: <laughs>
9: you know, that there's a sister joke to that one you just pronounced over there. The one where the fellow writes in and says, How do you avoid falling hair? And the fellow writes back, Step nimbly to one side.
5: <laughs> you know, incidentally,
9: I know of a hair tonic that'll grow hair in a frying pan. But who wants a hairy frying pan?
5: <laughs>
9: no joke, but then this is a very old frying pan. How did you get to be a barber? Did you start out when you were a little shaver? Went to barber college. Huh? I went to barber college. You went to barber college? Yes. What influence has the electric razor had on the barber profession? It cuts down the shaves about 25%. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? Every time there's another razor sold, you raise the price of the shave. Is that it? Yeah. Do you use electric razor? I use electric razor, yes. Yeah. Someday I hope to get the chair.
5: <laughs> you know, there's
9: something I've always wanted to know. Where do you get all these old magazines for your customers? We don't have all magazines. Are you buying from dentists? Uh, we don't have Or are you in business for yourself, huh? Where do you get them? You don't have all magazines? No. Well, if one of your customers brings in the latest issue of Look Magazine, be sure to see it, will you? There's a flattering piece about me and our show in the current Look Magazine. Or maybe it'll help them forget that they just lost your ears in your barbershop. Huh? <laughs> Why is it women don't get bald as often as men, Mr. Friedman? Well, the female is different than the male. <laughs> Well, that's about as accurate a statement as I've ever heard. <laughs> Nobody is more aware of that than I am, Mr. Freeman. <laughs> well, now, let's see if, uh, if a professional clipper like you and uh, can clip an old cut-up like me for $1,000. Now, you beat the other couples, and you earn the chance at the big question. I can't tell you how much our first couple won, but Fenneman's offstage to remind our listeners. The Irish couple won $20. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You selected songs about anatomy as your category. Is that right? That's right. Now you have $20. Here's your first question. How much of the 20 will you try? Ten. What's the name of this song? Okay, Jerry. Well, what do you say, kids? What do you say? Um, I'm if sorry. If the smoke gets in your eyes, huh? Now, remember, you're going for $1,000 tonight. That's the big prize anyway. Now, how much of the $10 will you try? Five. Five dollars? Give me the title of this song. Play, Jerry.
5: Tiptoe, to the Tip-toe
9: through the tulips <laughs> is right, huh? We now have $15. All right, now you got $15. How much of the 15 will you try? 10 Okay, here's your third question. Let's see if you can identify this one for ten bucks. What do you say, kids? Take a guess. I'm sorry, it's in my arms. You should have known that. They now have five dollars. Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the five will you try? What's the name of this song? Play.
5: Take a guess. Body and Soul.
9: Body and Soul is right. And they wind up with ten dollars. Thanks, and good luck from the DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Now, in just a minute, our last couple will try for the chance at $1,000. Fenneman, who's ahead? Well, the Irish couple
2: is leading with $20. And the secret word is still water. Perhaps the next couple will say it. We invited some collectors from the Bureau of Internal Revenue and some Hollywood business managers to the show
9: tonight. And just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected collector William Kenny and manager Maurice Dolman. Gentlemen, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, gents, so you bet your life. And if one of you says the secret word, he wins $100 in cash instantly. It's a common word, something you use every day. A business manager and an income tax collector, is that right? Uh, Mr. Uh, Kenny?
5: That's right.
9: You're the uh, income tax man, huh? Sam. I am. I recognize you by your short form. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Well, where are you from, Mr. Kenny? I'm from uh, Miami, Florida. How long have you been an income tax collector? About seven months. How did you happen to go into this nefarious trade, huh?
10: Well, I uh, took the examination in Florida, and I wanted to come to
5: California. And...
9: Well, you know, you can live in California without being with the Revenue Department, huh? <laughs> Although it's not easy. You
5: know?
9: <laughs> what prompted you to become an income tax man? I mean, what did you do prior to that?
10: I was a bank examiner for the federal government. <laughs> <laughs>
9: do you have a, a nickname, uh, Mr. Kenny? Yes, uh... What is it? Eh? At school, they call me Frog. <laughs> Why, did you hop around a lot in those days? <laughs> are, are you married, Froggy?
10: Oh, yes, I am. I...
9: And uh, how helpful is marriage from the income tax standpoint?
10: Well, this year, uh,
9: wife is worth $600.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well,
9: everything's in play to these days. <laughs> Is that alive, Mr. Kenny? Or...
5: <laughs>
9: Has to be alive, huh? It, uh, she must be alive at the time of filing.
5: You don't care if they
9: drop dead the following day, huh?
5: <laughs> How about
9: children? What are what are they worth?
10: This year kids are worth six hundred dollars. <laughs>
9: Hey, the little ones are worth just as much as the big ones, huh? <laughs> do, do you have any children, Mr. Kenny? Not yet. Not yet. Well, then you're out 600 bucks, aren't you?
5: <laughs>
9: By the process of elimination, I, I presume that you're the uh, business manager, Mr. Dolman, huh? I am. Where where are you from? I'm from New York. What outfit do you do you work for? I'm in business for myself. Oh, you mind your own business, huh? <laughs> Just what do you do in your business? I, ma- I manage the business affairs of other people. Then you don't mind your own business. <laughs> what do you have to know to be a business manager, Mr. Dolman? Well, primarily you have to have a good head for business. Is that in addition to the one you carry around
5: now? <laughs>
9: well, Froggy, let's get back to you, huh? You're standing there dreaming of somebody you're going to soak tomorrow, huh? LAUGHTER Specifically, what is your job with the income tax department or the Bureau of Internal Revenue? Well, we... Pretty fancy name for a crooked outfit, eh?
5: <laughs>
10: We go out and track down delinquent taxpayers and...
9: Suppose a fellow owes you $7,000 and he has no money, what do you do now?
10: If he's got the money, we'll collect it. If he doesn't... If he hasn't
9: got it, you can't throw him in the can for that, though, eh?
10: If he hasn't got it, no, and he hasn't prepared a fraudulent return.
9: No.
10: But we don't uh, put them in jail if they just don't have the money to pay the taxes.
9: Mm. That's a good thing to know, no? <laughs> <laughs> <That's a
5: question. laughs> now.
9: Now, what, what are some of the things we should know about income taxes? For example, should a married man file a joint return or a single return?
10: This year it would uh, be to his advantage to file a joint return with his wife. In that way, he could take advantage of the split income
9: provision. When do I get my split? Uh, <laughs> what's a joint return? Is that a nightclub with a money-back guarantee? <laughs> a joint return
10: is where a husband and wife file one return together and pool their income and prepare one tax return.
9: Now, in filing a joint return, how much am I allowed as a deduction for myself?
10: This year, you would be allowed $600 as... Uh, head of the
9: house that's just fantasy on your part you know (laughs) I'm no more the head of the house than you are a frog Mr. (laughs) King. how about Mr. Dolman over here does he get another 600 off because of his extra head for business (laughs) now what is the difference froggy but uh, between the short form and the long form well, the short
10: form, the 1040A, you can. That gets claim... in at 11
9: o'clock, huh?
5: <laughs>
10: you can uh, claim, or. That is, on the short form, you can claim only 10% deductions of your uh, gross income.
9: You carefully examine every form that comes into your office, Mr. Kenny?
10: No, we don't go over every form. We, um. Just uh, look at the... Above the average forms, that is...
5: The... You mean the
9: ordinary form you don't pay any attention to? It? Well, would you like me to come down and just look at the average form for
18: you?
5: I'm not as
9: calloused as you are, you know. Why don't you examine uh, every
10: form? Well, we just don't have the personnel to go over every farm that walks, goes in the office. But, uh,
5: uh, in,
10: in regards to that, I, I want to add that we do pay particularly attention to the farms that go into big figures.
5: Mm -hmm. Uh, This could,
9: this could get out of hand, you know. have an army of bookkeepers to go over all those forms. How long does it take you?
10: Well, it doesn't take long. We have a huge machine that is really a mechanical brain.
9: You have a mechanical brain? (laughs) And Mr. Doman has two
5: heads? (laughs) I'm
9: the only one around here with a single-track mind. (laughs) I'm still thinking of those average
5: forms. (laughs)
9: Now, if you were my business manager, Mr. Doman, how could you save me money on income taxes? Well, I... Oh, brother, are you on his spot now, huh? I can see the handcuffs sticking out of his back pocket. Huh? I'll bring you an apple pie with a saw in it in the morning. Well, what we do is keep proper record
10: of your deductions. Uh-huh.
5: You know, you know uh,
10: in your business, you listen to the radio You have to to listen to other comedy programs That we can take
9: depreciation on your radio You have to listen to other programs?
5: <laughs>
9: I'd rather lose my deduction and not have to listen eh?
5: <laughs>
9: Now, uh, suppose I was thinking of hiring you To help me take care of my business affairs, Mr. Dolman I haven't any, but just pretend, huh? Eh? What would you want to know about me? Well, first, I'd want to know if you were honest.
5: <laughs> if I
9: were honest, I wouldn't need your help, Mr. Dalton.
5: <laughs>
9: well, between the two of you, you succeeded in confusing all three of us. Now, you're going to try for a chance at $1,000. You beat the other two couples, and that's all you have to do. You're pretty smart fellows. I can't tell you how much they won, but Fenneman's going to remind our listeners.
2: The Irish couple is ahead with $20.
9: Here we go. Let's see how high you can build you $20. You selected instruments played by orchestra leaders as your category. Now, here's your first question. You have $20. How much will you try? We'll try for 10 Okay. What instrument does Harry James play? Trumpet. Trumpet is right.
5: They're off
12: to a good start. They
9: have $30. I, to, I want to warn you of one thing, boys. You know, if you win any money here tonight, you've got to put it on your tax. <laughs> you're going for $1,000 tonight. Now, how much of the 30 will you try? 20 What instrument does Gene Krupa play?
5: Drums.
9: The drums is right,
5: huh?
9: They're climbing now. They have $50. All right, you got $50. Here's your third question. How much of the 50 40 What instrument does Tommy Dorsey play? Trombone. Trombone is right. They're way up there now. They have $90. Well, you slid right into that one with the trombone. Now, you got $90. Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much will you bet? Shoot the work. works. What instrument does Carmen Cavalero play? Piano. piano. The piano is right. And they wind up with $180. And that means the tax man and the business manager get the chance at the DeSoto Plymouth $1,000 question. <laughs>
5: What
2: do you expect of the folks who service your car? Efficient service? Courteous service? Service at a fair price? Well, you get them all when you visit one of the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers. You'll find they're not only ready and willing, but able to give your car the very best in service. And that goes for the major repair jobs as well as the simpler ones. DeSoto Plymouth dealers have factory-trained mechanics who know cars inside and out. No matter what make or what year it happens to be, And in the hands of these expert mechanics are the most modern tools and equipment made. Yes, that's the kind of top service you can count on when you drive your car in at the sign of any authorized DeSoto Plymouth dealer.
9: And here is the tax man and the business manager, the winning couple, all ready for the DeSoto Plymouth Thousand Dollar Question, Groucho. Here we go for a thousand dollars. Ready? I'll give you fifteen seconds to decide on a single answer between you and think carefully, and please, no help from the audience. Here it is. In seventeen seventy-seven, the American Army defeated the British under General Burgoyne in what has become one of the truly decisive battles of world history. The American victory marked the turning of the tide of independence. What is the name of this battle? <laughs> Okay, now what is the answer you two have decided upon? And talk right up into the microphone.
10: Battle of Yorktown.
9: No, no, I'm sorry. It's the battle. It's the battle of Saratoga. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the correct answer. So that means the big question next week will be worth fifteen hundred dollars.
5: <laughs>
9: well, you lost the big money, but you won how much? Two hundred, a hundred and eighty dollars in cash. Congratulations and thanks to both of you.
2: you Bet Your Life is a John Goodell production transcribed from Hollywood, directed by Bob Guan and Bernie Smith. Music by Jerry Fielding. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at this time for the Groucho Marx Show, you Bet Your Life, presented by the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers of America. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth, two great cars, both products
9: of the Chrysler Corporation. And don't forget, next week, the big question will be worth $1,500. Well, it's almost time for Bing Crosby, so good night, folks, and remember, just be sure to see your DeSoto Plymouth dealer.
2: (laughs) Folks, here's a reminder. Meeting human needs is the objective of all Red Cross services. Respond willingly to the 1950 Red Cross Fund campaign. Remember, you're not giving to, but through the Red Cross. This is George Fendeman, signing off for the more than three thousand DeSoto Plymouth dealers from coast to coast.
15: Becker Becker's saying, keep cooking with Crisco. It's all vegetable. It's digestible.
2: And now, the Goldbergs. Molly
11: Goldberg is reacting in the strangest kind of a way to the little problem that faces the Goldbergs. They have to move within a week now, away from the house they felt was their own for five years. The owner is taking over himself, and the owner is none other than Edward Way, just released from state prison, a rather famous ex-promoter who ruined thousands of investors. The people in Lastonbury, ordinarily so kind and tolerant of others, feel that Way isn't just a man who made a mistake, but a vicious and cold-blooded character, and they don't want him around. So Molly offered to let Way stay in her house until the Goldbergs moved, but even this didn't soften Mr. Way. He wants the Goldbergs out whether they can find a new house or not by the end of the lease term.
24: I'll find you book for you, David. Now, don't make any noise because Mr. Way is upstairs trying to rest. Monsieur Way, the dormir. K.O. K.O. Oh, all right. Oh, Where are you going, David? Oh, oh. oh. oh all right. To go upstairs. Hello? Oh, hello, Martha. This is Rosie. Uh-huh. Well, my mother isn't home. They, they, they went to Tampa. Uh-huh. Sammy and my father, too. Yeah. Oh, well, I I think my mother is going to look at that house tomorrow, Martha. No, Mr. Way won't let us stay one extra day. Well, you do know my mother, Martha. Oh, is David's mother still at your house? Oh, Oh, all right, Martha. She just came in. All right. Bye. Hello, Mrs. Leland. Where is David Rosie? He's playing upstairs. Where's Mr. Wade? He's upstairs trying to rest. Oh, why doesn't David come down here and play so he won't disturb Mr. Wade? Oh, well, he won't disturb him. Oh. What time will your mother and father be back? Honey? Well, right after the services, but that won't be until after sundown. Why didn't you go, Rosie? My mother didn't want you to be here alone. Oh. oh, Mama! Oh, Mama, Mama! You're oh, not going to so, leave in for you go to Where are Monsieur and Madame Goldberg? They're all to the church for their Mm-hmm. David wants to know what kind of a holy day today is. The day of atonement. The day on which we confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. C'est aujourd'hui la fête où il se confesse au bon Dieu. Il lui demande pardon de se pécher. Monsieur, Madame Goldberg, sont bons. Ils sont très bons. Mais oui. Où vas-tu, David? De jour, j'ai en l'air. Sevant, c'est nulle, c'est ça. Oh, David. Monsieur, il va me raconter des noixons. Il ne faut pas faire ça. Oh, no, that's Jesus I'm Oh, Rosie, who told the child? What did he say? He's playing prison guard in front of Mr. Way's room. Oh, who told David? How does he know Mr. Way was in prison? Uh, I don't know, Mrs. Oh,
2: uh, well, Dr. Cater? Oh.
24: He thought you were in New York. I I thought you went back. I did. I'm
2: back again. Is uh, anyone going to invite me in?
24: Oh, of course. Oh, thank
11: you. <laughs> I
24: didn't realize it right. Will stop walking up and down outside my door? What's this? I'll go out. No, no, please, I'll go.
11: What? What is it?
24: Well, David is trying to play, and, and Mr. Way is trying to sleep.
2: Oh. Well, isn't that too bad for our sensitive friend, the ex-Swindler? I'll go out.
5: I'll
24: go out. I'll go out. I'll go out. I'll go out. i
11: Well, Hello, David. Bonjour, Doctor. Bonjour, docteur.
24: Bonjour. Merci. Vous voulez jouer avec moi? All right. Bien, David. Nous irons dans notre champ. Oh, Mekin, please. Keep quiet, Rosie. Please,
11: Rosie. Uh, um... Where's Mrs. Goldberg?
24: They've gone to the temple. This is a holy day for them.
11: Oh. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Or, uh, Perhaps, come to think of it, I remembered and, uh, Decided to come over here and keep you company. Do you need company?
24: No, but I like to have it.
11: Mm. Any old company?
24: Any good company?
11: Well, I'm good company. I have no doubt <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have Goldberg found a new place yet?
24: Not that I know of.
11: Oh,
2: but I suppose Mister Way is giving them more time. No. No.
24: No. Not even after they took him in when no one else in Lustbury would. Hmm.
11: Lovely character
24: Well, he's just been released from prison
11: He shouldn't have gone there in the first place
24: No matter what he did, he suffered for three years Mm -hmm. Suffering isn't easy It makes you change It makes you despise the world Do you? I try not to And lately, now that I've found so many friends I no longer feel the way I did but Mr. Way has no friends. Uh,
11: how is it that we keep coming back to Mr. Way? I'm sure I'm not the one who keeps bringing it up.
24: Perhaps I am. I feel, Dr. Peter, that Mr. Way, like me, is just a little... well, not at home in the world. Hmm? I know what it is to be in prison. What?
11: Prison? You?
24: Oh, I don't mean a real prison. I mean the prison of poverty... Which is just as bad as walls and stones and bars. Oh. So Mister Way too, and no matter how he is, I know it's the prison talking for him, not himself. This
2: place has lots of rooms. You have to make be- noise. Now, now, don't go up. I'm sure they can't have been making so much noise. You see, we can't hear them.
24: We're not trying to sleep. Our room must be right next to his. Must you pick your up right next to my room. Why did I bounce? Please excuse me. No, please don't go. <laughs> C'est ah, oui. D'ailleurs, oui. le moment d'aller se coucher. Viens doucement. Don't scold him. I, I, I put David to bed. Viens, David, sans bruit. Il faut que tu sois sage, David. Mais il faut être un brave petit garçon. N'oublie pas que nous sommes des invités et que nous ne sommes pas chez nous, David. Mais je ne fais pas de bruit. Maman, vraiment, je ne sais pas. Viens, Oh, maman. Doucement, David. Doucement, David. maman
11: am. you should never tell a child that he has no home.
24: I was just trying...
11: To make him behave. Yes. But he was behaving. And even if he wasn't, you shouldn't make him feel insecure. You yourself just told me what insecurity did to you.
24: Oh, I didn't mean... Oh, of
11: course not. But you see, you can do just as much harm through ignorance as through willfulness. Hmm. Well, I suppose there's nothing else I can do except take a hand. Take a hand. Oh, certainly. You don't think I'm going to let you spoil your son's life just because you're not a psychologist. I am. I'm going to show you just how to bring up your son. But... I'll be up as often as I can to give you instructions. Uh, you don't mind, do you? No, but... <laughs> I'm glad. I wouldn't want to be forcing myself into the habit of your life. It leads to resentment. I've asked you a million times to be quiet. Hmm. You with the top of your voice. I'll be right quiet down. Please, Dr. Cater. breath, without any respect for anybody What's or anything. What the devil
2: are you raising your voice for? I beg your pardon? Oh, don't take refuge in your dignity, Mr. Way, because you have none. Oh, Dr. I'm Dr. Cater. You may not have heard of me since you, you're you more used to, uh, to be interested in people's possessions than people. But I'm a friend of the Goldbergs and a psychologist by trade.
11: Where's Mrs. Goldberg? Are you going to register a complaint? You're living in this house because Mrs. Goldberg is a tender-hearted woman. And you're forcing the Goldbergs out because you want to show that you're not afraid to act as crudely as you want to. Even if you have been in jail. That's That's why you're howling at the children.
2: You're trying to act like a man who doesn't have to walk softly because of his past. But you're wasting your time and impressing no one. Face the facts, Mr. Way. The person you have to make terms with doesn't live out here in the world with the rest of us. It's yourself. It's yourself. And you're beginning
11: in the west of all possible ways by trying to shout so loud that you can't hear your own mind think. Thank you. Don't forget to send me a bill for your expert advice. Dr. Cater's little lecture on Mr. Way's character sounded true enough for the moment, but how much of it was caused by Oriane's obvious sympathy for the man? It's a question that Molly's going to find answered one of these days, much to her surprise.
2: It's the season for bright, tempting dishes, for foods that radiate good cheer. It's the season for Kraft salad mustard. Foods fairly sparkle with appetite appeal when you add the tangy flavor of golden, creamy smooth Kraft salad mustard. This mustard, with the just-right spicing, peps up sausage and cold cuts. Blends smoothly into keen-tasting cream sauces for vegetables. Adds delicious flavor to golden eggs. Ask for this light, golden, creamy smooth salad mustard made by Kraft. Or try that other favorite, Kraft mustard with horseradish added. Buy these two delicious mustards, salad mustard and horseradish mustard, both prepared by Kraft. The Johnson Wax Program. <laughs> the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, Incident Number 258 written by Don Quinn, with music by the Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with, The World is in My Arms. Have you ever stopped to think how many labor-saving devices you modern women have in your homes compared with the homes of 50 years ago? How would you like to give up your telephone, your washing machine, vacuum cleaner, electric refrigerator, or food mixer, just to mention a few? Well, I know the answer. And I know something else you wouldn't like to give up. That labor-saving floor polish, Johnson self-polishing glow coat. Think of having to go back to old-fashioned scrubbing again to keep your linoleum floors clean. Yes, housekeeping certainly has been made more pleasant with Glow Coat to save you work every month and to make your linoleum wear longer, too. Women who aren't now using Johnson's Glow Coat in their homes are missing a lot because Glow Coat requires no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry. In 20 minutes, your floor is sparkling and gleaming with a beautiful, long-lasting polish. If you have any friends who don't know Johnson's self-polishing Glow Coat, you'll be doing them a favor to mention it to them. You know, there's nothing like a handyman about the house, is there? Oh, is there? Well, well, Fibber would be a handier man if he could keep track of his screwdriver. He thinks it's in his tool chest, so he brought the tool chest up into the living room, which is no place for a tool chest. And here, emptying things out of the tool chest, we find Fibber McGee and Molly.
25: Goodness sakes, McGee, what have you got there?
26: A tool chest. You heard what the man said.
5: <laughs>
25: well, did you bring that up out of the basement just to look for a screwdriver?
26: Yep, too dark in the cellar. The light socket's busted.
25: Why don't you fix it?
26: Can't find my screwdriver.
25: Well, use the blade of your jackknife.
26: I can't, the point's busted off.
25: How'd you do that?
26: Using it as a screwdriver. <laughs> now, let's see. Bicycle sprocket. Auto crank. Wood burning outfit.
25: What's that book there under the broken alarm clock? This?
26: Well, it's Helpful Hints on Home Handicraft by Henry Horace Epplewhite.
25: It's great stuff, too. Yeah. Is that where you got the information about how to fix my sewing machine?
26: Yeah, how does it work now?
25: Oh, fine. Except that the bobbin keeps coming loose and shoots across the room. Oh. <laughs> I nearly got Mrs. Uppington the other day. She was sitting down at the time, too.
5: <laughs> Which
25: wasn't very sporting of me. <laughs> oh.
26: Umbrella handle. Bear trap. Let that bear trap lay there, Molly. I might catch Gildersleeve in it. Oh, hey. Here's that old shotgun I was going to fix the trigger spring on.
5: oh, oh.
26: Come to think of it, I did fix that trigger string.
5: Now,
25: isn't that nice? Now you can fix that hole in the ceiling, too.
5: Mm-hmm.
25: Or make it a little bigger and install a brass pole, and then we'd have a nice guest room for visiting fire.
26: <laughs> you wouldn't be getting sarcastic, would you?
25: No. And incidentally, what do you want the screwdriver for?
26: No, oh, I'm going to fix something, Molly, and I don't want to tell you. I want to surprise you. Who's that? Uh-oh. It's Mrs. Uppington. The front bumper of the station wagon sack.
25: <laughs> the queen of Wistful Vista Society, and wouldn't you love to crown her? Come in. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Uppington?
20: Oh, uh, how do you do, Mrs. McGee? And Mr. McGee?
3: Hi, Uppy. I, uh, I just stepped into. Oh, what have I stepped into? <laughs>
25: Well, uh, you stepped into an old camera, Mrs. Uppington, but don't feel badly about it. He never used it anyway.
26: Oh, I was going to fix that camera when I got time.
25: What was the matter with it?
26: Well, when you looked into that ground glass plate, everything was upside down. Oh. I got so dad ratted tired of standing on my head to take pictures that oh, I just...
25: really? May, how awkward. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he rather enjoyed it, Mrs. Uppington. He was always a bit of a pixie with a brownie. <laughs>
20: Oh, uh, well, you simply must allow me to pay for the damage. I insist on making the loss good. Oh, well... Why, it was no good and it's no loss.
26: Why, Molly, how can you be so mean to Mrs. Uppington? You want her You want her to have this thing on her conscientious? <laughs> you want her to go through life with the guilty feeling that she's broke up a man's hobby with them big clumsy feet of hers? McGee!
5: <laughs>
25: And don't worry about paying for the camera, Mrs. Uppington.
20: Oh, I wouldn't insult Mr. McGee by offering him money. Huh? Oh. No, oh, no, 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 no. It's just that I feel so badly about interfering with your artistic pursuit. Oh, Michelle. So I shall send you over a little box of watercolors that I have had ever since I was a slip of a girl. <laughs> uh, well, I must be going now. Look so...
3: out. Look, Look out, out for, for that bear trap. Oh, oh.
25: Are you hurt, Mrs. Uppington. Why should she be? She ain't caught in it, I am.
5: (laughs) Oh,
23: Oh,
20: I'm so sorry, Mr. McGee. Oh, you are not. Oh, Maggie, and I do hope the watercolors will make up for the loss of your camera. (laughs) Remember the old poem which I just made up? (laughs) Little spots of color, little lines of ink. You may think you're an artist, but confidentially... Well, Goodbye. (laughs)
26: I do, do I? <laughs> hey, Molly, open this dad ratted bear trap, will you?
5: Well, how? I'll
26: take a screwdriver. Oh, a my screwdriver. gosh, no screwdriver. Hey, wait, I can do it. Oh. Ah, boy, is that a relief.
25: Well, how on earth did you get it open, baby? Oh, just
26: use a little logic and common sense. I says to myself, now keep cool, McGee. Sure, I says. Now, what kind of a trap is this? Well, says I, it's a bear trap.
5: Yeah? Of
26: course, I says. So what's the logical way to open a bear trap? Why, shucks, it says, with your bare
5: hands.
1: Oh. So,
25: oh. oh. dear. Well, I'm glad it wasn't a mouse trap. You'd have had to give yourself a Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> now, hurry up and get that junk off of my floor. Well, Molly,
26: I haven't found a screwdriver yet. I don't want to well, take...
25: Well, for goodness sakes, run down to the hardware store and buy a screwdriver. I don't
26: got time to...
25: Hello, Johnny. Hello, daughter. Going to the auto show? Oh, I don't think so. Not this year, Mr. Old Timer. Why not, daughter?
26: Well, I'll tell you, old-timer, they have took all the fun out of it. Used to go to auto shows so you could stand on the running boards and watch the salesman show you how easy the clutch and the gear shift worked. And now, no gear shift, no clutches, no running boards. All they got left is the salesman.
13: (laughs) That's pretty good, Johnny. If a trifle exaggerated. But that ain't the way I heard it. (laughs) The way I hear it, one feller says to t'other feller, Say, he says. <laughs> I see where Fibber McGee and Molly are back on the air. You hear their first two shows? Yep, says t'other feller. Sure are in the groove, ain't they? That's an understatement, says the first feller. That ain't a groove, that's a rut. <laughs> Sorry you ain't going to the auto show. Guess I'll take my gal. She's a streamlined cutie with seal beam headlights and a choice of paint jobs. And knee action. So long, kids.
5: Happy birthday. <laughs>
1: Yes, sir. Was there something for you? Oh, hi,
26: Bud. I want a screwdriver with a black handle. We're in the hardware store now, folks. Rattle some hardware, Bud. Thanks.
25: How about a screwdriver?
26: With a black handle.
25: Why a black handle? Well, why not? That's what I say. Get one with a black handle.
26: Uh, Yes, madam. A screwdriver with a black handle. Uh, What size? What do you mean, what size? You got to be fitted for them?
5: (laughs)
1: Well, we have itty-bitty baby ones for taking watches apart, and mama-sized ones for stabbing beer cans open, and great bit papa ones for wheel what work.
5: <laughs>
26: Look, Goldilocks. I'm a medium-sized guy looking for a medium-sized screwdriver for a medium-sized job. Uh, Just step this way, please. Uh, Mind the wheelbarrow. Oh, 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 leave me past it, Molly. I I don't want to look.
25: Why not? It's only a common wheelbarrow.
26: Oh, you know, Molly. My cousin Chamberlain. What? You remember what happened to him when he was working on Boulder Dam?
25: No, I don't.
26: Well, they found somebody had tampered with the concrete mixture.
25: Don't tell me they suspected your cousin.
26: Yes. The minute they seen his feet sticking out of the dam, they knew he was mixed up in it. Him and another guy.
25: <laughs> that must have been the foreman. The poor lad told us he was getting in solid with the boss.
5: <laughs>
25: you can open your eyes now, dearie. We'll okay. pass the wheelbarrow.
26: Thanks. Okay, bud. Where's the screwdrivers? And make it snappy,
22: because I want to hurry back. Hey,
25: hardware man, come over to my house
13: right away.
22: What's the matter, Mr. Flanagan?
13: Every time I try to sail my toy boats in the sink, it overflows.
2: Well, why don't you use the bathtub?
13: What? Get the coal all wet? Hurry,
26: will you? <laughs> <laughs> Screwdriver, Bud. Remember? Oh,
22: yes, yes. I'll get it right now.
26: Hey, get a load of the old guy coming in with the beard and the bifocals, Molly. He looks kind of familiar to me.
25: Well, he acts kind of familiar, too. He just winked at me. The dear old thing.
26: Oh. Oh, he did, eh? Hey, look here, you with the jawgrass.
25: <laughs> Who do you think you're winking to?
26: Take it easy, pepper.
25: Heavenly date, Harlow Wilcox.
14: What you doing in a false broccoli, <laughs> Harlow? Hey, Harlow,
2: are you... Shh, shh, shh. I'm making a survey.
25: Oh, uh, Mr. Hardware
13: Man. Oh, yes, God. sir? Uh, my granddaughter sent me in for some floor wax. What's the best kind?
22: Uh, well, we always recommend Johnson's, the uh, finest polish you can buy for floors, furniture, and woodwork. You don't say. Oh, yes, we do gives a beautiful, lasting polish and protects all wood surfaces from scratches and stains. Uh, wait a minute now. I'll what you Hmm, That's
25: quite a disguise, Mr. Wilcox.
2: Gee, thanks, Molly. I modeled it after Mr. Chips, you know, in the movie. Is it okay, Fibber? Oh,
26: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you look like a well-dunked donut. <laughs> <laughs>
5: that's
22: the worst disguise
14: I there ever... There you are, sir.
22: Johnson's Wax. Not only the best protection for your flaws and woodwork... But it will add a great deal of beauty to your home.
14: Thanks,
13: Johnny. I'll tell my granddaughter what you said about Johnson's wax.
1: And I'll be back after a bit. Certainly. Anytime, Mr. Wilcox. What? You sold me this wax, remember? Oh, gee whiz, I never thought of that. <laughs> now then,
26: uh, was there something for you, sir?
25: A screwdriver.
26: Remember me, Bud? The fellow that wanted to buy a screwdriver with a black handle? Oh, yes, yes. Now, here's a wonderful
14: screwdriver, 12-inch shaft, patented grip, non-skid tip, and transparent handle. He wants
25: one with a black
2: handle. But, madam, the transparent handles don't come in black.
25: Dad, Radit, Bud,
23: who
26: wants a transparent handle? All I want is a simple black handle. Hello
23: there! Skippy, you got a good, strong, comfortable broom?
22: Why, yes, we have, madam. Here's one, 75 cents, special today. I'll take it. Where shall I have the broom sent, madam?
23: Don't send it, Sniffles. I'm buying it for Halloween, and I'm riding it home.
2: I, I beg your pardon, sir. Have you been waited on? <laughs> have, I, have I been waited? Look,
26: Bud, for ten minutes I've been trying to get you to sell me a screwdriver. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, here you are. I think this is the type of screwdriver you want, isn't it? That's it, Bud. How much? Uh, two seventy-nine.
25: Heavenly days, two seventy-nine.
26: Oh, now don't go into a tool spin, Bud. That screwdriver ain't worth no 279 Well, I could get one across the street at the five and dime for 20 cents Then why don't you?
25: Well, they're all out of them
26: Well, when we're all out of them,
13: we sell them for a nickel Good day <laughs> uh, I'll be...
25: Come on, McGee, maybe we can find one Oh, uh, there, good day, my dear Oh, hello, Mr.
13: Boomer and A horrible Halloween to you, false face Allow me to introduce my little nephew, Cedric Boomer Cedric? Take your hand out of the gentleman's pocket and say hello.
3: <laughs> say hello to Mr. and Mrs. McGee. If you insist, neon moles. Hello, Molly Dolly. Greetings to you, stupor <laughs> Ah. <laughs> Little Sir Echo, how do you do?
26: Hey, is that a real revolver he's playing with?
25: Oh, heavenly days. Do you permit him to have such dangerous toys, Mr. Boomer?
13: Certainly, certainly. Spare the rod and spoil the child, I always say. <laughs> Put the heater away, Cedric, before I kick your teeth down your little pink upper glottis.
3: You lay a knuckle on me, Boomtown, and you'll wind up in a forest lawn mud pack.
13: <laughs> well said, Cedric. Spirited lad, isn't he? Yes,
25: indeed. Well, I'm sorry we can't stop for a little more conversation, Mr. Boomer, but we have to go home and hunt for a screwdriver. These people want two seventy-nine for one.
13: Two seventy-nine? Why, that's two... an outrage. I'll sell you one for only thirty-seven cents, myself. Cake? <laughs> Always carry a few tools with me for one reason and another.
5: <laughs>
13: 37 cents, eh? Okay, Boomer, it's a deal. Let's see it. Of course, of course. Now, let me see. Screwdriver, screwdriver. Where I put that screwdriver. Here's a letter from the draft board asking me to report in the morning. Hmm, dated October 15,
5: 1917.
13: <laughs> yes, indeed. I should have dropped in some time ago postcard from Jefferson City Moe. Poor old Moe.
5: <laughs>
13: you should have seen the police report they had on him. Reading time, 20 minutes. Doing time, 20 years. <laughs> Glass eye with a sentimental gleam. Ah, what's this in my hip pocket? A small grimy hand with arm attached. Oh, it's you, Cedric, my lad. <laughs> Trying to follow in your uncle's fingerprints, eh? Perhaps you know what became of the above-mentioned screwdriver. Of
3: course, of course. Let me see. Screwdriver, screwdriver. Where did I put that screwdriver? Here's a water bubble gun. that had a blowout. I must remember to have it vulcanized. Boy Scout knife. What am I carrying that for? I wouldn't knife a Boy Scout. The butt of a chocolate cigar. License plate off a hot tricycle. <laughs> and a check for a short root beer. <laughs> well, well, imagine that. No screwdriver. <laughs> but come, Uncle Horatio. You said we were going to meet the mob and case a couple of joints for a hike. Oh,
13: yes, I <laughs> forgot. Tonight is bank night. <laughs> Good day, my dear, and good day to you, fish fry.
2: <laughs> the king's men sing, Sawing a Woman in Half. <laughs>
1: well. Was a youngster of seven or eight, I worshiped a hero, a man truly great. I'd stare open-eyed at this wonderful man as he took his place on the stage and began sawing a woman in half. I'd shiver and shake and I'd laugh. Uh, he'd show us the lady I'm not telling fibs, a lady who had no regard for her ribs. He'd saw the poor girl into fractions and then the orchestra played until we meet again. What a whale of a trick, boy! Did I get a kick out of sawing a woman in her hand? Right through the middle, the saw quickly goes. <laughs> Until it had parted her head from her toes The crowd got excited when she was divided They stared and they strained every muscle They said it was magic, but I thought it tragic To sever her hat from her bustle And I don't mean maybe If I was that baby, I'd raise up a flock of objections The axe spoils her chance for a lovely romance Who'd marry a lady in sections Sawing a woman in school was never the right thing to do. In decent society there should be a law to keep him from tickling her ribs with a saw to settle the question I asked for a date. And when she said yes, I hardly could wait. I was nervous, you bet, to see which half I'd get
5: when he saw that woman.
25: For goodness sakes, McGee, will you hurry up and find that screwdriver and get this junk out of my living room?
26: Oh, I'm only halfway through this tool chest, Molly, and I'm finding more stuff. Did you see?
25: What do you want that screwdriver for,
5: anyway?
26: Oh, I can't tell you, Molly. It's going to be a surprise. (laughs) I'm going to do something for you that you've been wanting me to fix for a long, long time. Come in.
23: Hi, mister. (laughs) Oh, hello there, little girl. Hello. What you doing? What you?
26: I'm looking for something. What? A screwdriver.
23: Where?
26: In this tool chest. Why? Because... Oh, listen, quiz kid. <laughs> Don't bother me with all this driver. I'm trying to find a screwdriver. I mean...
23: <laughs> Don't... See, you, get... you got a lot of dandy stuff in here, I bet you. Well... Oh, looky, a new baseball bat. Where'd you buy it, hmm? uh,
26: I didn't buy it. It was a gift. Who from? From a man I bought a suit of clothes from last week. And stop bothering me. <laughs> Trying to locate a screwdriver in this
5: tattoo. suit. Hey,
23: what's in this bottle, mister? Hmm? Medicine? Now,
26: put that back, sis. That's just some lotion I used on my arm the time I got tattooed.
23: <laughs> Did you get tattooed, mister? Oh, let's see it. Hmm.
26: No, no, no. I, I don't want it. it It didn't turn out good.
23: Oh. Come on, mister, please. Let me see your tattoo.
26: Well, okay. If you don't tell anybody about it, well, I roll up my sleeve? There. Mm
23: See? See, that's a dandy tattoo, I you. Oh, I don't think it's right. Who's it supposed to be,
26: hmm? J.P. Morgan. Why? Well, the guy that tattooed me was a little deaf, that's why. I told him I wanted to anchor, and he thought I says a banker. (laughs) Along, sis, Hey, because... mister. Now what?
23: My daddy wants to know if you're going to join the poker game at the club tonight.
26: You tell your daddy I'll be there. And tell your mother that if your daddy comes home smelling like Energine, it's because McGee took him to the cleaners.
5: Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
26: hmm? <laughs> I says, tell your old man I'm going to take him for his role.
23: Mm, I bet you won't, I bet you. Huh? He says you're an awful bum poker player. Oh, he does, does he? Yes, he does, does he? He <laughs> said you always played a full house like you were afraid it was haunted. Left well, so on, Mr.
26: <laughs> Fresh kid. She can cause more trouble than a bee in a coupe. Now, let's see if I don't get... Oh, Molly, look. Here's that motorcycle engine I've been saving.
25: Uh, what are you saving that for?
26: Why, Molly. Now, how many guys do you know that could reach in their tool chest and bring up a motorcycle engine if somebody wanted a motorcycle engine all of a sudden?
25: Well, I could count them on the fingers of a Boston glove, dearie. If that makes you happy. But for goodness sake, Uh, get that... Oh, (coughs) hello,
26: McGee. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello,
25: Mr. Gildersleeve. Hi,
26: Gildersleeve. Sit down and make yourself at home. Or no, don't. I've seen how you act at home. (laughs)
1: Isn't he a card, Mrs. McGee?
25: Oh, he's a card, all right And to think that I drew it
26: (laughs) Sure tossing (laughs) ringers What is all this stuff, McGee? You mean the stuff in this tool chest? Well, I was looking for... McGee, if you're thinking of starting a junkyard here I'll complain to the authorities this is a residential zone. Well, is it any of your business? Yes, it's my business. Well, what's your business doing in a residential zone?
5: do
25: <laughs> Stop this bickering, the both of you. He's just looking for a screwdriver, Mr. Gildersleeve.
26: Well, I'll help him look for it.
4: What does it look like, McGee?
26: Oh, it's about this long with a black handle, and it's got TPG carved on the handle.
4: TPG, yeah. eh? Uh, you know what that stands for?
26: Well, I always thought it meant take a powerful
1: grip. But it maybe... stands for Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. That's what it stands for. <laughs> That's my screwdriver. Oh,
25: here, now look, boys. There's no use fighting anymore. I just remembered where I saw that screwdriver. What
13: you did? Where?
25: On the shelf in the hall closet. But be careful. I- I'll
26: get it, Mrs. McGee. You stay where you darn are, Gildersleeve.
25: I'll get it.
26: After all, this is my house. After all, it's my screwdriver. Okay, okay, okay. You can have your old screwdriver. I'll go get it. I'll go with you. I don't trust you out of my sight. You're so short-sighted, I can still get away with plenty. Where'd you say, Molly? On the shelf in this
25: closet? Yes, but be careful, dearie, because that shelf is loose and it's Yeah, not... I know. I'll get out of my way, Gildersleeve, while I get that. Oh.
26: Oh.
25: about that loose shelf. I know you
26: did, but I had to get that screwdriver.
25: What did you want the screwdriver for?
26: <laughs> I wanted it to fix that shell.
5: <laughs> Biber
2: <laughs> and Molly will be back in just a moment. I want to make sure that everybody knows about Johnson's wax enamel, the sensational new kind of enamel that has wax mixed right in it. So please listen carefully for half a minute. Wax enamel is different from any enamel you've ever used before because it contains wax. It dries with a finish that is remarkably smooth and satiny. A soft luster so much more beautiful than the harsh glare you often get with ordinary enamel. So for the same reason, a wax enamel finish is harder to scratch or mar and easier to clean. And wax enamel is easy to use. You brush it on like any other enamel. One coat almost always covers and a little goes a long way. Making wax enamel economical. Your hardware, a paint dealer, or department store, is now showing this newest Johnson product in its many stunning colors. Selected by a prominent interior decorator, you'll find just the color you want for enameling your bookcase, breakfast set, or bathroom walls. Make a point this week to ask your dealer about Johnson's wax enamel. The new kind of enamel that contains wax and dries with a smooth, satiny finish. Thank you. Good
5: night.
2: Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, reminding you that when you buy any one of the Johnson Wax products, you get your full money's worth in satisfaction. Be sure to ask your dealer for Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat for your linoleum, Johnson's Wax for your floors, furniture, and woodwork, and Johnson's Car New for your car. All these superior products are manufactured by S.C. Johnson & Son Incorporated, Racine, Wisconsin. Well, we hope you'll be with us again next Tuesday night, same time, same station. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company.
6: Oh, this miserable cold and my sinuses!
4: Haven't you heard about Dristan? Dristan decongestant tablets for real relief from colds, misery, and sinus congestion. Dristan is the revolutionary three-layer tablet, which for the first time makes it possible to unite certain medically proven ingredients into one fast-acting, uncoated tablet. Dristan not only helps drain all eight sinus cavities, critical areas of colds infection, but circulating through the blood, Dristan's decongestant reaches all congested areas, shrinks all swollen membranes, relieves pressure and pain. An exclusive anti-allergent helps keep breathing passages dry and clear. Pain relievers reduce body aches, fever. Vitamin C helps build body resistance. This is Dristan. Today, Dristan is widely imitated. But the exclusive Dristan formula cannot be duplicated. There's nothing, nothing like Dristan decongestant tablets.
20: Cardable appeared with Jean Harlow in the movie China Sea. And Helen Hayes opened on Broadway in the unforgettable Victoria Regina.
2: And in a movie called Every Night at 8... Francis Langford sang a song that became one of the biggest hits of the year. I'm
5: in the mood for love. Lima will
2: had lots of things
5: to think about in 1935
2: and we also had lots of things to talk about
20: You see what it says in the paper about Persia?
2: Look, please let me read my own paper, will you?
20: But there isn't going to be any more Persia. From now on, it's going to be known as Iran. Why? Are you asking me why? Don't you want to read it for yourself?
10: I've resigned to the fact that you aren't going to let me read it for myself. (laughs) Why are they calling it Iran?
20: Well, they think Iran describes the country better than Persia. I think they're crazy, don't
8: you? Or do you think I am? Lucy, don't make me answer that. Don't make me answer that. In
5: 1935,
2: Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire were dancing together in Top Hat.
5: When we're all together, together dancing tango, to heaven, heaven, heaven. heaven, I'm in heaven, and the cares that hung on me through the winter again, When we're all together
2: dancing. While Irving Berlin was making music history in Hollywood with the Stair and Rogers, George Gershwin was making it on
20: Broadway. On October 10th, 1935, the first night curtain went up on an evening that will be remembered forever by anyone fortunate enough to be there. The opening night of Corgi and Best. Berlin.
4: What you
5: can
2: We return you to Gordon McRae, Lucille Norman, and the second half of the summer show train trip to the year 1935. Yes, you were singing about red sails in the sunset in 1935. Perhaps you were in school at the time. Perhaps you were in love. Perhaps you were married. Whatever your situation, your memories of the year can't help but be linked with the music that runs through the days. The bright, shining melodies that pull the memories closer. In
20: 1935, you saw the movie Roberta and heard this song for the first time.
17: lovely to look at I've pulled an old and heaven's
5: secure A combination like this is
17: quite my most impossible season to
5: imagine finding a dream like you Lovely to look at It's thrilling to hold
2: 35 wireless messages were coming back from Alaska. I I decided to take a little trip up here to Alaska. It it sure is a beautiful country. Uh, You know Alaska, uh, August 14th. Uh, This new farm colony here in Alaska is having a little trouble. It's a great deal easier pioneering for gold than a pioneering for silver. August 15th of 1935, when Will Rogers told his last amusing story and said goodbye, but leaving behind him a legend that would never die. That was one of them, but one special song remained in the hit class for such a major portion of the year that it became one of the great popular songs of all time. This, then, above all others, should bring back memories to you of 1935. First
20: daffodils and long. Sided tables, and candlelight on little corner tables, and
5: to my heart has been these foolish things,
20: mind. i Something- little ring
2: back
5: into time and memory.
20: 15 years back to the days when the social security bill was passed, when the hundred mile an hour hurricane across
2: Florida. Fifteen years back to the days when the great Cole Porter show on Broadway was named Jubilee. And the really magnificent song took its place among the great songs of our time. Begin the beginning.
5: When, when, begin, begin, when they begin the beginning, it back the song. Star- Like a winter, brings back a memory of a
20: dream. I'm with you once more under the sky.
5: Hold him alone.
2: gentlemen for joining us. In just a moment, I'll tell you what we have in store for you next week. The Railroad Hour is written by Gene Holloway and is brought to you each week at this time by the American Railroad. and Charlie Farrell sang this tune in the picture Sunny Side Up back in 1929. And next week, the summer show train is going to take you on a trip to that year to relive some of its most interesting happenings and hear many of its greatest songs. Songs like With a Song in My Heart, Singing in the Rain, and Why Was I Born. So folks, be sure to join us again next Monday and ride with us aboard the summer show train back to the year 1929. Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so, until
0: next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll return next week for the Old Time Radio Daytime shows. Be sure to listen to our other programs on the Strangers and Pilgrims podcast.